Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. Morning, Friday, and that weather not looking too bad. I thought about half six, the dogs were out having a chat with Mother Nature, as they do every time that morning, every morning around that time. And I thought the heavens were going to open, and then they didn't. We had a couple of spits of rain, a couple of drops, but nothing, nothing much. There is a sup due over the weekend, but I don't think it'll amount to a whole hill of beans. We certainly ain't going to be flooded or washed out of it uh, over the weekend. And they're all predicting high temperatures and into next week, the sun could come back. And there I hear in the news, the pollen count. As soon as you hear about the pollen count going up, that means there ain't a whole pile of rain going to fall. Actually, I've had hay fever. It's been worse this year. Um, Not particularly uncomfortable. The only thing that's affected is my sinuses and the inside of my nose it just seems to constantly get blocked and gooey but we have a, our neighbour has a tree that I thought was dead I hoped the bloody thing was dead because the part from Nelson it's huge and it has come back to life in quite spectacular fashion and it is flowering and the pollen is killing me all last weekend like out the back garden enjoying the afternoon sunshine feeling like I had a winter cold because of this bloody thing but it'll stop, It'll the, the flowers will be gone in a while and that'll be the end of it I, I hate to go to these poor people who suffer from hay fever at the slightest venture outside on, on, on dry weather but they're telling us a pollen count for the next few days, watch it if you've bad hay fever, watch it if you have asthma, particularly if you have asthma, and I was amazed at the number of people who have both asthma and hay fever, That that must be awful that's got to be awful. 0818 96 96 96. Good morning to you. It gives us a half a link, just a half, to our first topic of conversation this morning, which for a Friday, and the Friday at the end of what's been a nice week, and uh, like the second Friday of summer, really, because it's the second Friday of June. Remember I said to you yesterday morning, I'd seen this shirt. Fergal had shown me this incredible shirt that had all of the old ice creams on it. Yeah? Do you remember? 
Um, and they were like going back to magnums and icebergers and chalk ices and chili willies and everything was on it. And I wanted one of them shirts. Christine Duff has actually started to um, a petition, Christine, a petition to bring back. I don't think I don't, I thought it was something else when I was buying it here years ago. The Sky Bar ice cream. Morning. <laughs> Good morning, PJ. How are you? I I think I remember it having another name. This was the one with the flaky kind of chocolate on the outside and the ice cream in the middle. It was. Um, well, the way I remember now is the chocolate on the outside was definitely more solid. It wasn't flaky. Right. And, and then the there was a layer of ice cream and then in the middle there was like just a, a stick of kind of chocolate that would have bubbles, almost like an aero bubble effect. Oh, yeah. No. Do you remember? I do, I do. As I said yesterday, I, 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 so I memorable. It was lovely. I remember, and and yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, you couldn't really put a name, but where they came up with Sky Bar, I've no idea. <laughs> but when was the last time we saw it? Oh my god, I actually don't know. And he was only saying to one of the girls, "I guarantee you, there is some nana around Cork that has one in the back of a freezer. There has to be." <laughs> <laughs> is that a challenge? <laughs> you know, well, it's, it's a bit like all these shops out the country that have a sticker in the window for Milky Moo Mints. They're all over the place. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, know, my God. <laughs> you know the way, the richest Milky Moo Mints. They got this. Remember when they brought them out, the slogan was Milky Moo. There's more milk in the Milky Moo and all that crack. The thing is, this. <laughs> I remember talking to a shopkeeper friend of mine. The sticker. A flamethrower wouldn't get the bloody thing off the window. <laughs> they were made of tough stuff back then. That's why I started the petition as well. I yeah. said, you know what now? I'd love for it to come back. Yeah. Um, I remember, do you remember the guys that done it for the Whisper Bar and the Banshee Bones? I said, if Banshee Bones and the Whisper Bars can come back, Banshee surely Bones. HB can bring back the Sky Bar. Do you ever have a Banshee Bones sandwich? I didn't know, I'll be honest, which I've had all they, other sandwiches, but not a Banshee yeah, Bone one. No, a Banshee Bone sandwich was, was somewhere between a hangover cure and a perversion, and I can never figure out which, but I did have them in my time. Yes. Yeah, so I remember the Whisper campaign of the Whisper back, uh, and that was yeah. successful, except they then brought back that awful thing, the Whisper with the toffee in the middle. Like what? Oh what, yeah, the what, bit of caramel. It was. What you know, pervert wasn't great. decided that was a good idea? No, forget that. But the regular, <laughs> the regular whisper was good. But the sky bar and the old ice creams. Casey and Ross were talking about this this morning. They mentioned mentioned it for us. We've yeah. been talking about it, and you want to see the stuff that's coming in. People talking about the Jr. Ice Pop. I don't remember. Oh, I don't remember that one. No, I don't remember that either. I can remember the Freaky Foot, and oh, I can yeah. remember the Fat Frog. Yeah, the fat frog, and not the fat frog yeah. you get in a glass in Santa Panza. The actual no, fat we, <laughs> no, we graduated to them after after having the ice cream. <laughs> I know, yeah, and we found not only did they not quite taste the same, but the ice cream never had that effect on your head. <laughs> never. Definitely not. <laughs> yeah, so you're looking to see, can we get the sky bar brought back? But I don't even know, Fergal is the, is the brain box on, on these kind of things. Yeah. Who even owns HB? 
these days? I don't, I don't um, know. It's owned by Unilever um, ah. in the UK because I, I actually went to the extent of emailing them the other day, telling did them you? about the petition. I did. Did they <laughs> oh, I'm on a mission now. I'm on a mission. Um, they did. They responded and they said that they're going to forward it on to the relevant teams to look into it. And they, they were very grateful. And thanks very much for um, letting them know. And, you know, they obviously sent it on to the market and research team. But I suppose my thing is to just get as many signatures as possible and to see how many people in Cork and Ireland and further afield do remember the Sky Bar and do want it to make a comeback because I reckon it would definitely be one of those ice creams that would be worth having back in the freezer. Well, yeah, and you mentioned the Fat Frog and another great friend, favourite of mine was the Wibbledy Wobbledy Wonder. Do you remember that one? Oh, that was my brother's favourite as well, yeah. I didn't like it now, to be honest, but I remember my brother, that was his favourite one. And there was another one like it. It was um, it was like the loop to loop Do you remember? It was an orange one with a bit of chocolate on top. Oh, so nice. That had a little, a Patsy Pop, I think they called that. They, they, they I had can't remember the name, but yeah. A little plain orange ice cream, but with just oh, that so tiny nice. little piece of chocolate at the top. Yeah, I loved yeah. that. Yeah. Or the split, the orange split. Remember the orange... The orange, orange ah, they weren't pa- as exciting now as the Patsy. <laughs> Do you think that, yeah, yeah. You, 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 try, you try to eat the chocolate off the top without the, the whole bloody <laughs> thing breaking in your mouth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there was a... Oh, fat frog was gone. Uh, the foot. Although, you know, you'd look like an awful Egypt too, wouldn't you, walking down the street eating the, <laughs> eating the big, big foot. I was only saying it to one of the girls yesterday. I can remember the big toe had the bit of chocolate on it and then they got rid of that as far as I know and they just kept it plain. Really? Did I could be wrong. In fact, but I I, I have a memory of it. The freaky foot having a chocolate toe. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I know because it's quarter past. I, I know because it's quarter past nine. You haven't been drinking, but certainly that's a thought. I would. <laughs> 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 okay, so a freaky. We're looking at <laughs> a freaky. <laughs> A freaky but with a chocolate toe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Freaky foot with a chocolate toe. Um, the, the, it's the oh, what sky... a request on a Friday. <laughs> does, does, does anybody have an old sky bar from the Stone Age in the back of the freezer? Um, another one, there was a few more of them. Remember the, the, the golly bar? Now, that was just a pure oh, bar. Oh, my ice God. Cream. That was it was so nice. Yeah. Yeah, I, and yeah, I can still taste it. Yeah, but that's the thing. Our senses are so important, and when you think of smells and taste, and that's you know, in um, in the midst of the my email the other night when I was writing out the petition, I just I was brought transported. I was brought back into the eighties and the nineties. I was like, oh my god, if these were here now, it would be great. I'd love for my kids to try them because they think I'm just mad when I you know I'd be telling them about the different sweets and the different things that we had. But you know, when you go into the shops now and you walk past the freezer, like. There, it's like going into someone's house and there's a house phone. You just, it doesn't get the same attention it used to get. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, remember Peggy's leg? I don't. Peggy's leg was like a kind of a pinkish chew bar. You get them. Oh my god, I definitely don't remember that. No, Peggy's leg. Probably, I'm probably a small bit older than you. Yeah, Suzanne says JR Ice Pop was lovely. My mum had a shop, and the uncles from the local school were always coming in and asking, "Have you a chilly willy, Mrs. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Pickford oh. remembers the freaky foot mint feast now there's a shortage of the mint feast this is cri- critical Aaron I just had this conversation with one of the girls this morning we said the mint feast is mm. just obsolete yeah you get plenty feasts 
But the mint one, no, the mint one was that was that that was designed by by someone who's in the most comfortable bed in heaven. It was just a gorgeous thing. But Aaron is looking for them, and also mint cornettos, not the little small piddly little ones you get in the multi pack, but the proper the mint proper cornettos. ones. I remember them. Yeah. And there, they used to have the, the chocolate on top of them as well. They and on, I actually said this to do. Oh, sorry, go on. Hang on, the big toe, I think. Anne, hello, Anne. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What um, was chocolate on top of the big toe? It was. When Thanks did you? Then. <laughs> when did you last have chocolate on your big toe? It was chocolate on the big toe. Really? Yeah. <laughs> on yeah. the freaky foot. And the oh, freaky and you've made my day now. That was in the nineteen eighties. So, so you're not mad, Christine? She's no, not. I didn't imagine no, that no, now. No, because no. no. I remember my niece Lorraine that's listening this morning. Yeah. To tell her that I'm back on again. You have a radio on back there. That's why you're hearing everything back. Echo, oh, echo sorry, back. And I came out to the front room. You're all right. Time. But the freaky foot had <laughs> chocolate on top of the toe. Yeah, that's what you're hearing. Yeah, yeah. And myself and Julie, um, you know, Julie twins, I mean, she's a great pal. I mean, they were just I having a chat Julie, about yeah. the brunch ice cream. And we were saying the brunch, the bits of biscuit on the brunch. I said to her, they they left the bits of biscuit in the recession. They never put them back the way they used to be. No, they were <laughs> never as thick as they were out. No, can you still get a brunch? And thanks for that. The freaky foot did have chocolate on. We figured that out. Was there anything else that you remember, Anne? That um. Well, no, you're after naming a lot there now that we used to have. Anyone, you know? anyone, anyone that we didn't think of? No, no, not that I can think of. No, but the freaky foot. Yeah. It did have chocolate on his big toe. Did have chocolate on his big toe. That is established. Yeah. So we can yeah. we can we can stop the concern now. We can we can I'll have an easy day now knowing that. <laughs> I know we have a great day now. <laughs> thank you. Thank Thanks, you, Anne. Anne. <laughs> uh, so Anne did have chocolate on her on, on her on her big toe. On her big toe. <laughs> Was there stuff that there must be loads of stuff that people missed that we haven't Thought of. We're going to have um, some fun. Seeing as it's a Friday, 083 What was the other one? Um, Mint Feast. There were, was there a bar called Secret? And Tina thinks they also did an ice cream version. Oh, oh no, I'm thinking of the Soleros. Yeah. Um, the loads. The so many. Yeah. The I remember there was, an, there was a kind of a rocket ice cream that you'd push up and the end of it had popping candy. Oh, oh yes. Or oh, you kind of push it. They had a stick and you'd push the stick up. Mm. Oh, yes, I do. Pat oh, Pat had chocolate on on his big toe. Hi, Pat. <laughs> Good man, Pat. Hi, <laughs> DJ. How are you? How you doing? You remember the freaky foot with chocolate? I do. No, it wasn't today or yesterday, but yeah, I remember it as well. Yeah. Chocolate. Was there anything that... And, Anything else from that remember, time? Remember, remember PJ, remember the clips up as clips up. Oh, oh god above. The clips up, yeah. Yeah, the they were absolutely up. I always remember going back to school after the after my break and the jawbreakers. Remember them? The big huge uh, gobstopper. Yeah, to take you maybe oh, towards the cotton. That's right, yeah. That's right. And, and they were lovely, like. That's right. And you were called, they were called jawbreakers because if you tried oh, to bite them, you would smash your teeth. Many, many a time a teacher in Crease, you nearly smashed my teeth eating them. <laughs> we used to sneak them in. I used to, yeah. Do you know what I used to? Here's what I used to do. You laugh now what I used to do, right? Seeing as I have a Crease tree by on the phone. Yeah. I used to do this in Dougie's class, right? And he was teaching us history, oh, right? Dougie, yeah. Yeah. 
had, I don't know if he's still with us, but he was a great, a lovely man. Yeah. Do you remember the fizzy cola bottles? I used to get a bag of fizzy cola bottles in the shop next door, right? Oh, and, yeah. And you would, yeah. Shake, the, you would just shake the sugar off him, and yeah. you'd take the oh, bag yum. into it. And I used to, <laughs> I was like a cocaine head. I sniffed the sugar, right? <laughs> yeah. And you'd get a fit of sneezing. <laughs> and like, we're talking about the Tudor Wars or some crap like that in Irish, like. Exactly. <laughs> right? yeah. And I'm, I'm starting to sneeze and fit in the back of the class. I know. <laughs> will be a kind of the, the sugar off the fizzy cola yeah, bottles. Yeah. Well, I remember the jawbreakers on the clips of bars. They don't do them no more. They don't. They don't know. And no. the touchdown bars. Do you remember the yeah, touchdown bars? The, the real traditional corner shops, like. There, you're right. They you're right. Don't, I, yeah. down, they I, don't. Do you remember? Down. Am I the only one? Do you remember Peggy's leg? I do. Ah, God, so. And do nice. you know the reason why I remember it, PJ? Why? why? My mother's called Peggy. Ah, well. Aww. And I and I remember Peggy's leg, especially with the school sports. There's always be on 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 say in the school sports. I, I, the yeah. Peggy's there was kind with of the, kind of a brown, a brown, I, they were kind of a brony bar, I think if I remember PJ. Yeah. But I remember them. I remember them very well. Good so man. they do so they do exist. Good man. And you, you mentioned another one, Cadet Cola. Fer, Fergal. He's the guru here. Can you try and pull that ad? It's gotta be somewhere. Do you remember the, the television ad for Cadet? Right, where all the little bottles were like little soldiers, and and it was cadet orange cadet coat. Remember that? Oh, I'll have to go looking for that. You or actually, that. there's another ad I saw recently. It was the Kiora, the Kiora ad. I still love that ad. Yeah, they were great, and there was an ad as well for an orange called Morinda, and I, I saw it last year on holidays. They're still advertising it in Spain. Morinda orange. Oh my god! I know, I know you Yeah, you see the nostalgia from the eighties and the nineties. That's why I'm on a mission now. I'm determined to get the petition for the signed by as many people as possible. And yeah, you, absolutely. Had, I think we can do it. A, I'm amazed you had a letter back. Oh yeah. So they're owned by Unilever, and um, they're still trading as HB Walls, as far as I can see. Yeah. And I'm just going to keep on it, and I'm hoping, if not this summer, maybe next summer, there'll be some new person in there in their manufacturing place that'll create the ice cream for me. And we, we might even get freaky feet with, 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 with <laughs> chocolate on the toes. If we're, if well, we're there's plenty of freaky feet around Julie said there without, without, that's not ice cream related. <laughs> Thank, thanks, Pat. Stay with me a second, Christine. Um, okay. Remember the two and two, oh, the two and two bar. That was like, was it white and dark two or white and, 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 and milk chocolate? Oh, yeah. I do, I yeah. do, and I'm sure there was. It was similar to the Wibbly Wobbly Wonder. You could get a pink and an orange one. I could be wrong with that. Nobody, this is, there's some little core memory there, and I was yeah, stuck. <laughs> the, the two and two bar. Yeah, Shiona remembers the two and two bar. The sparkle orange pop, the simplest little ice pop. The sparkle, twelve pence we used to pay for it. So twelve lovely. pence. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah you'd go into the shop with a pound, and you'd come out with bag loads. Mm. Oh, come on, <laughs> Like, if I read this out now, I mean, will I get cancelled? For No, I won't. It's Friday. Uh, when we were in our younger years, we had a friend who worked in Chivers and he used to ask us if we wanted to see his wibbledy wobbledy wonder and we passed up on the <laughs> offer every time. Sure, <laughs> Mary Galvin remembers the wibbledy wobbledy wonder. Uh, the Chilly Willy used to have us in convulsions when we were young. Yeah, we uh, Aldi, Aldi, ah, Trevor says, Aldi mm-hmm. have wibbly-wobbly wonders, but they call Stop. them jiggle pops. 
Jigglypops. Jigglypops. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, Just to let people know, we're still talking about ice creams between our freaky, freaky feet <laughs> and our jigglypops. <laughs> and someone, and I knew someone would do it, and I'm doing it deliberately. Someone came on to say it's wibbly wobbly, PJ, not wibbledy wobbledy. I always thought wibbledy oh. wobbledy sounded an awful lot better than wibbly wobbly. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, here we go. They got rid of the chocolate on the freaky foot. Fat frog will never be back. Feast print might make a feast mint might make a comeback, but not this season. Golly bar can't be called that because of obvious racist issues, but they're also delisted. And this is from Wayne, who's a HB mm-hmm. sales rep. Oh. oh, Wayne, Wayne, will you get on about the sky bar, Wayne? Sky bar. <laughs> Skybar, they did get rid of the chocolate on Freaky Foot. He didn't say why, though. Uh, he didn't say why. Mm. Maybe maybe it was because it weighed down the toe and the toe kept falling off and whatever. <laughs> or they left it back with the brunch bits. Yeah, you can get pink feet. You you can still get the feet in, in other countries. I often see them in Spain. You can get and One that I have in Spain <laughs> is a watermelon. It's a watermelon ice pop shaped like a watermelon. Nice, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I remember that. The, se- the secret with people coming in. But... Great, great chat, PJ. Have to put the Kilimanjaro on the ice cream list. Oh. 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 The JR came out after Dallas. The, oh, lads, oh, well, before my team, so. J, when you bit into a JR, there was red juice inside that bled. Ah, <laughs> uh, he. <laughs> <laughs> This, this is starting. This is starting to sound like one of these late night talk shows where the callers are plastered. It. I was just going to say, if anyone tuned in now, they're they're listening. Wibbly bits, freaky feet, biting into things that bleed. Oh my god! Chocolate on your toe, Dale, or chocolate on your big toe. Hang on, I'm going to take a quick break. We'll try and regain our senses because Adam and Pat want their topens worth. I'm talking to Christine about treats from the past. She's trying to get the Sky Bar reinstated by HB. Is there anything you'd like to bring back? You haven't had it for years and you'd absolutely love to bring it back. There goes the Patsy Pop. Yes, there's another one remembers the Patsy Pop. And the Smith's Crisps. That's from Pauline. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Let me show you what it's all about. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. You never know who might call through to the show for a quick chat like Joel Corey. But this summer is going to be the biggest and best yet, man. Even Lewis Capaldi. I dislike them all equally. Uh, they'll disappoint me as well in time. That's just as just as all children do. And who knows, you could be my next big winner. Ah, thank you so much. You're so good. Thank you. I'll talk to you weekdays from 12. Show you what it's all about. Check it out. Simon Murdoch, midday to 4 p.m. on Corks 96 FM. Adam and Mary, I'll get to you. Christina's still there. Pat. Yes. Macaroon bars. Macaroon bars. I used to eat them by the dozen. You can still get them. You know that, don't you? I know that, yeah. They used to be, they used to be a shop in Middleton uh, in, um, 
Auntie Nelly's, I think, was the name. But I don't know whether they're still there or not. You could get all the old bears. Oh, there, there, there's a chain of them. I, I thought you were going to think of the, the great shop in Middleton long ago. It had a blue front on it. And I can't remember the name, but somebody in Middleton will tell me. It had a blue... When you, we'd stop on, on the way down to the beach in Gary Vaux. You'd stop in Middleton for ice cream. And you'd have three or four ice creams would come out. And they had a special tray that the ice cream used to sit into it. Do you remember that? I'm not too sure, no, PJ, about that. I, I don't know. I, yeah. There was an old um, an old news agent in Middleton years ago. Um, uh, didn't he know it agent? Maybe that was a shop. I, I, I remember I, it having a blue front on it in the main street of Middleton. But the macaroon bars, I've seen them in garages. You, see, you don't have to go to Auntie Nelly's for them. But I've oh, seen I know them. that, yeah, but... Yeah. but um, the, the first time I saw him, we say in, in the past few years, wasn't it? And then, of course, we could get him in various places after that. Right? That's right. That's right. That's right. Cheers, Pat. Good memory. Uh, Adam. How are you? Good morning, PJ. How are you doing? What, what do you Good. remember? Oh, yeah, I, I remember a lot of them, all right. What was your favourite? Oh, geez, the, the Frosties. Frosties? You mean the Frosties. breakfast cereal now? Or, or No, they were a sweet. There was a call ones as well of them. Oh, were they, no, someone else has been on here remembering um, remembering Kylie's shop in Turner's Cross and they used yeah. to have cola cubes and pineapple cubes. Yeah, I remember them very well. Yeah, I know. I never went to Kylie's because no, my auntie it, had a shop across the road. If you looked up uh, Frosty's, the Frosty Sweets online, then you'll know them straight away. Frosty Sweets. And then, then there was the Taz Bar, I think it was called. Oh, the Taz Bar. Now, I remember the Taz Bar. Yeah, and, uh, they, they were my favourite. Yeah, the, the, only, the only thing that comes anywhere close to a Taz Bar these days is the Animal Bar. They're, 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 they're nice. Adam, thanks. Uh, keep them coming. Mary, nosy, <laughs> nosy Keefs. That's right. At the end of Shandler Street, Peter. I don't know why I... they ever called it Nosy Keefs, but Nosy <laughs> Keefe was the shop. That's right, and we lived on the south side, but my grandfather had a pub in Shandler Street, and when we'd come over to my grandparents, going down, my mother take us into Nosey Keith, you get the two-and-two two bar, bar that time to be all broken up. That's right. You get the, the honey, the comb, like, it was like crunchy, wrote the chocolate on it. Oh, my God, it the, used to be beautiful. Are you talking now about what about the, that devil's food that is the crunchy with the chocolate on it? The, it's a yeah, cinder toffee, yeah. they call it. Oh, Jesus, it's beautiful. That's devil's food, like. And then my father and I was a confectioner in Thompson's. Right. And we were only talking about where to go there at the old cakes, Thompson's cakes that you'd never see today. Battenbergs. The, the, do you remember the top nut? The what? It was a top nut cake, it was called. Yes. It was done and just browned inside with a bit of ice and sugar over it and a bit of buttercream on top of it. Yeah. You'd have the round chocolate cake. The roundy chocolate. You'd have little jam tart. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You'd have the uh, uh, apple turnovers. I remember Thompson's used to. It was it Thompson's did the chocolate ring, and it was there was so much yeah. chocolate on it. It was gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. But the are you? You get the snowball, TJ, with a bit of chocolate on it. Stop. Stop. My moat now is sitting down here now, and it's water. Oh, I can see. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. You, you, what? What? What did we start here, myself and Christine? Like what? Did, what, what, did, what did we? What did we when, you, did we when you go back, when you go back, and think, and I walked to the sweet factory in Bandon Road, and I was a young one going to school, right? Yeah. And we staffed the, the 
butter nuggets, you put into the bag and you'd have to seal them. You'd have uh, the satin sweets that were called. Oh, the chocolate satins, they were like a little cushion. Like a little That's cushion. Right. Yeah. Yes. Oh my yeah. God, I remember them as and well. The clove rock, you'd have the oh. apple drop. Oh, stop. Apple bonbons. Apple bonbons, that's right. Oh, my God. There was yellow bonbons, pink bonbons, or white bonbons. That's right. And you couldn't mix them. You couldn't mix them. No, no, yeah. No, the iced caramels. Do you remember them? The iced caramels, that's right. Pink and white ones. The butter nuggets and the clover. Do you know what? Is it any wonder, is it any wonder, like, that my dentist would retire to Barbados? I mean, you know, we just have to turn back the years and go back to day. <laughs> what a course. You would. Oh, they were happy days. <laughs> Hang, on. Hang on. Hold on. Mary, thanks. Finn is, is here. Thompson's. I mean, again, with the Thompson's. Yeah, go on. Finn. Good morning, PJ. How are you? How are you, bye? Not too bad. Remember Thompson's there where Cummins of Sport is in Princess Street? I do. They used to do this thing called a snowball. It was a big, big ball of shoe, shoe pastry filled with cream and covered in icing sugar. I and remember. by oh. God, you felt guilty after looking at it and I might say eating it. That's right, yeah. You'd nearly want a spoon to scrape out the inside. A spoon you'd want to shovel or a JCB. And then they used to have a little trifle cake in the white plastic. Remember those? Oh, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I tell you, the the, the, the the younger kids today with their sweets, they, they don't know they've been born. Because do you remember, and I'm sure you would, um, down at the corner of the, where the South Church of St. Bar South is, the corner of Douglas Street. Yeah. There was a shop on the corner. There had two doors. You went in one door and out the other door. And they had dozens upon dozens of jars of sweets, like cola cubes, pineapple cubes. Yes. But they used to do this um, apple drop. And I, to this day, can never taste anything nicer. It was bitter apple on one side and it was sweet on the other. And we used to get caught with Brother Cusack and Brother Ross and Don Sully's key with these things. And there was a thing called Space Bombs. I they remember Space Bombs. They were pink. But do you remember the limited edition, God help us, health and safety gone out the window? You could find a coin in the middle of some of them. I do. <laughs> I do. They, and they were all different size. They were all different sizes yeah, in your coin because there used to be a little tuck shop in Sullivan's Key School yes. and you'd go down and the boys would be selling the sweets and then sure, there'd be a fella going to the dentist down the city hall because he was after cracking his tooth on the coin that was in the middle. I remember, Finn. Oh, for God's sake, I do because I think I probably broke a tooth on the top at some stage. And then there was this thing, I don't know, you're talking about school because you were a bit of a wild one in school. There was this thing, I cannot, cannot remember the name, but I'm sure your sweet guru were there who's doing absolutely no work today <laughs> talking about dissecting toes and eating things with blood. They used to have this, um, it was a heart, it was like the Peggy's leg, but there was a stick at the bottom of it and it was a whistle and you pushed up and down the stick and it made all the sounds oh of the police. Oh my God, I remember it. Yes, a whistle pop. Was that what it was? Well, that like, is, there's, there's the oh, what a boring name. <laughs> After freaky thing with chocolate toes and poor old Coogan comes up with a whistle pop. <laughs> yeah. Phew. Phew. It, As it, it's in. <laughs> yeah, I and you remember sure, that. Yeah, but uh, I, I Melody suppose. Melody Pops, look, I think, as well, they were called. They were that? called what? Melody Pop. Ah, that was just for the posh people that could play the instruments. We were only just because of making noise. That was the non-alcoholic people now. Sorry about it? that. You didn't, have, you didn't have sweet shops out there. You'd have to come into Cork for them. <laughs> <laughs> cheers, cheers, Finn. Where's this conversation going to end? D, hello. 
Good morning, PJ. <laughs> you remember a lucky lucky balls? Yeah. Right. Okay. Stop it. No, I'm not talking. Stop I'm not naughty. talking about the bouncer in 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 this new piece years ago, right? I am Julie in the car next to me. PJ, it's a terrible conversation. They were in pink or red balls, and they were soft. And if you found a piece of paper in the middle and say "free one," you get another one for free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he is right about the pink things with the money in the middle of them. Oh, I don't know. I've never thought about that. I remember them. Space, there was a penny in the middle of some of them. No. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the Lucky Balls stuff, and we couldn't wait to see if we got a free one. <laughs> and I can read that sentence so many different ways. Or do you remember the chocolate cigarettes? You could get the chocolate and oh, eat cigarettes, yeah. and you wouldn't know if you were to eat the paper on them or not. And we'd end up eating the paper, and some some of the kids would say, no, you're not meant to eat the paper. You're supposed to peel it off. No, no, so there was no fun in peeling it off. I used to eat the stuff as well. You, you couldn't, if you imagine bringing them back. I don't no. think you were meant to. I don't, I don't, matter we did anyway can you imagine bringing all that stuff back imagine bringing back um sweet cigarettes now that be the health and safety people that have oh my god to have everyone and anyone on to you little angels little devils and dracula actually i know that during the break there the lads at hairy baby um they sent me a tweet they have a t-shirt a hello summer t-shirt right and on the front of it is a fat frog Stop. A Dracula. Remember the Dracula? Oh, I remember right? the Draculas. I do. But here's the best bit. They have a chilly willy, right? <laughs> they have they have a thing called a dataway, which was a hand with a finger pointing. Okay? Like, oh, I like, like that, the phone. Yeah. And they have the it, right in the middle of the hairy baby Hello Summer t shirt, they have a freaky foot with toe with a chocolate toe. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> There you are. John, does anyone remember the oh, the blackjacks? Remember the blackjacks that were in... You'd get oh, them, yeah. They'd stick in your teeth. They'd stick in your teeth and you get them for about four fruit for salad. a penny. Fruits, blackjacks, fruit salad. And there was a minty one as well. I remember my dad, God rest him, going to the border. Uh, he was serving with the guards on the border in the early days of the trouble. I'm going right back now. He'd come back with a catering yeah. bag of blackjacks. Oh, stop. It was two foot Our, tall. My mum... My mum's dad, so my granddad, this is well before my time, She, her memory would be he worked down on near the boats um, when they were coming in in Cork Harbour and he'd come home with chocolate and it was called chocolate crumb because I think there used to be deliveries of chocolate. Oh, yes. That's after the story now again. But he'd come home with some chocolate crumb. Um, I think that's a lovely memory for her to pass on to me even though it was well before my time, obviously. It wouldn't have lasted five seconds in our house, but chocolate crumb. Not at all. Eating spoonfuls, spoonfuls out the, out the back... Great, Christy. You, I I know you're. A, are you a good pal of our our old our friend Brenda? Brenda and Julie, yeah. And ah, Julie just bolted out of the car there now. Um, <laughs> they're they're busy doing <laughs> they're busy doing their podcast today. So um, I'm giving her a lift in there to the train station. She's gone. She's gone for sweets. I've no doubt. All right. Oh, whatever. The, we're after setting off a craving. The ice cream shop. I knew it. The ice cream. The blue fronted ice cream shop in. Middleton, where they used to bring out the cones. So if you had three or four of you in the car, one person went in and bought the ice creams and they came out on a little tiny wooden tray with slots in it for the cones to go into. That was Desmond's shop. Oh my gosh. Desmond's shop. I, and I know the minute I heard, it's now the Ballycotton Fish Shop. Uh, yeah. 
Central and Butterfant, they have HB Cornettos in the fridge, says Donna. The Trigger Bar, Jay remembers the Trigger Bar. Uh, Andrew is in Cheshire, listening to the show in beautiful sunny Cheshire. But with all the talk of nostalgia, he's getting homesick. Oh, uh, I know. I know Brenda's in London listening this morning. Hey, yeah. girl. Hi, girl. How are you? I, she, no doubt she has memories. Uh, HB chocolate bars. Uh, Wrigley's chewing gum. Wrigley's chewing oh, gum. Oh, yes. Oh my God! Or is it Orbit? Was that another one that was like it? Yeah, but there were sticks. You know the sticks of chewing gum. Juicy fruit, uh, spearmint. Juicy fruit. That's the one. And double mint in a green packet. Do you remember them? There were juicy double mint, double mint in a green packet. The number of people that remember Chili Willies. Between Chili Willies and Lucky Balls, what a morning we're having here! You know, fairness. <laughs> Chester Cake says John in Cove uh, not quite on topic but a great treat we used to go from shop to shop to get the different kinds because they all tasted differently that was not Chester Cake John that was the posh people's name for Donkey's Gudge and it wasn't even the right it wasn't the same thing at all the black jack and the gobstoppers the green and white twi- the green and white twister with a bit of red up the middle remember that one oh that's still around yeah the do you know what's not there anymore? Tony points this out. Does anyone do pick and mix now? No, um, that's well gone. Yeah, Apple I Jacks. worked in a shop in Ballincollig when I was a teenager, and uh, you know, you you just pick all sorts. You know, they'd, they'd have the bonbons, the colas, that's everything. Right. But it was you'd have someone saying, "Oh, give me ten of those, give me five of those." That's well gone. That's right. Yeah, uh, the the freaky foot. Kaz says the freaky foot made a brief comeback sometime around twenty sixteen. But without the chocolate toe. The only reason I know oh. for sure is because I lost the head when I saw them and bought them for my girls. <laughs> they would have been toddlers at the time, but they remember them. Maybe they were a knockoff version. And Kaz, I can imagine your 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 devastation when you took it out of the wrapper and there was no <laughs> chocolate on your big toe. <laughs> Catherine is sitting oh, in the car God. with tears streaming down her face from laughing at the two of us. Couldn't get out until they finished with the freaky foot. And the wibbly wobbly one to talk. <laughs> and your laugh is so infectious and full of fun. Uh, Catherine, uh, Catherine, Christine is her name. I'm confused myself. Oh. Christine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm drinking my tears, says Catherine. He Man bars. Help. Oh my God. He Man. Oh, we still have one of the little figurines at home. He Man Skeletor. Ah, oh, Jesus, stop, stop. PJ. What do you have to do with oh, I know, I know. Hold on. And do you know what? You can actually get the. Yeah, there was um, Wham bars. Remember Wham bars? There were, there were oh, do I what? I can remember my dad coming home from the shop. Yeah. And the irony now, <laughs> the irony now is he's type 2 diabetic. Sorry, Dad. Oh, stop. <laughs> he'd well, he'd come I, home with the Royal Rovers. Is, is it any wonder? If you, go into, if you go into Aldi these days, you'll get Quamtastic in a bag. They're not the same, though. Like I the, love them, though. The Wham bars, the Roy the Rover bars, the Dan bars, and the little black crunchy bits in the Dan bars. Oh, oh my God. Stop it. I know. <laughs> any old, uh, yeah, that that shop that Finn was talking about. Someone has a name for it. Russell's shop, Russell's shop, that uh, was down there in Douglas Street. Um, and there was another shop. There was one shop in Ballincollig. Um, we used to go to. It was called just called Sweets and Treats, and it was in the main street. And you'd get everything in there. Oh my God! You go in with a pound, and you'd get everything in there. Frank, Frank remembers the Texan bar. It was a bit like. 
a bit like nougat. They're all coming in here. We'll be here, we'll be here all day. Um, oh, the new Nugent. I know. I know. Little, I, little, I'm getting rolly eyes off Julie because I have to bring her. I have to bring her somewhere. <laughs> little angels, little devils, and Dracula. Uh, yeah. Um, the trigger. Yes, Paige. Yeah. I, listen, I'm gonna need. I'm gonna need to take a break. We need to pay some bills so we can buy some sweets later. Give me a second. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. Corks 96 FM's Week in Ibiza is coming. Listen to Win Your Way to the world's most famous party island. Party Island. <laughs> Just watch me dance. Seven nights at the Wiki Woo Hotel. Tickets to David Guetta, Joe Corey, and Ocean Beach. Dinner at Cafe Mambo for the famous Habitha Sunset. And spending money. Spending money. Are you ready? Sometime. Oh, yeah. Stay listening to Cork's 96 FM weekdays for the biggest hits of the White Isle. Then text or WhatsApp in for your chance to win. 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 Win your way to a week in Ibiza. Only on Cork's 96 FM. Loads of stuff still coming. I'll come back to him. Christine had to go. Julie would be giving out about me for months on end. She'd be talking about me on the stage at the Opera House when she's doing the podcast on the Cork Podcast Festival. So the last thing I want is to be ridiculed on the stage of the Opera <laughs> or given out about. But yeah, um, thank you to... Um, to Christine for starting that conversation which is still going on Perry crisps in a blue bag they were delicious says Phil I'll come back to all of your messages speaking of stuff that you buy in a shop you can't have missed that story in the last couple of days that Tesco are dropping the price of it's something like 700 products about a third of them are their own sort of in-house stuff but a lot of them are on everyday brands and it's bound to start a price war with all the other chains, um, Duns, for example. I, I, did I see somewhere in the news that Lidl and Aldi aren't going to follow suit? Maybe Charlie, Charlie Weston, personal finance editor of the Irish Independent, can help. Have I seen that this morning? Lidl and Aldi not going to get into this war, Charlie. Good morning. Well, good morning, PJ. They issued very dismissive statements yesterday, saying, "Oh, uh, we looked at this, and we're still cheaper than Tesco. Uh, we're, you know, we're." discounters. Uh, but look at, they will have sent their price uh, compilers researchers out to Tesco to look at exactly what's come down and see the extent of the prices. And if they find now that they're out of line on some of them, they will be announcing price cuts, more price cuts. You know, they're not going to stand still and allow Tesco the grain momentum here. It's a cutthroat market where they're competing hard with each other for market share. So, if one does something, the other does something. They, the um, Dunn stores, Super Value, Lidl and Aldi were completely caught on the hop by this. They didn't see it coming. Because mm. the fact that it's so many items, more than 700 uh, items across everything from food to household goods to beauty and personal care products uh, are coming down by an average of 10%. Some of them are more than 10%. Some of them are less. And as you said, PJ, it's not just the own brand Tesco stuff. I mean, you know, the, the cuts we saw a couple of weeks ago on milk, bread and butter, that was all own brand. Yeah. But th- this is mainly branded products. So you're talking about, for example, Pampers, well-known nappy brand. If you're buying Pampers, you have to buy a lot of them. That's coming down by 50 cents for a 37-pack. And 
you know, Flavin's progress oats, um, a good cut there. Two forty nine down to two thirty five, seventy five cents on uh, toothpaste, for example. Yeah. That's coming down by seven. So you know, it's across the board, and it's a lot of different goods. Uh, yeah. Now people will argue that they've gone up and up and up, and we, 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 you know, we're, we're due a, we're a bit of relief here. But it's good to see, and it will force a response at some stage. And despite what the, the, the discounters say, I think they'll watch this, and if they find that the, their prices are are, are are getting near to Tesco's now, that there will be cuts. Is it? A response to that meeting that they had a few weeks ago with Neil Richmond, or is this just because the market allows it? I, I'm always a, a cynic, Charlie. None of these yeah. things do anything for our good. There's always something in it for them. But, uh, there is, of course. Yeah. yeah. Is yeah. it a response to Neil Richmond, do you think, to the Minister? I think there's probably a small element of that in it, but I think the big thing really here, PJ, is that input costs have come down, commodity costs like wheat and stuff like that. Energy prices have stabilised. We haven't had an increase, thankfully, since before Christmas. Wages are fairly stable as well. Uh, so this allows them then to sit down with their suppliers, which is what they would do every six months, mm-hmm. the likes of Tesco, and say to them, hold on a minute, guys, your input costs are down. We want you to reduce what you're selling to us and we'd pass it on to consumers. Now, they have a lot of muscle. They have 166 stores. They have a big online presence. So, you know, they're able to twist uh, a cut out of, out of the, um, the suppliers. They may be taking a bit of a hit themselves. We don't know. Yeah. But, but it, it is about trying to steal a competitive march. That is the number one motivator here. It's not that the minister said that they have to cut prices. And they do realise households are under pressure and people are going to shop less often. They're buying less. Uh, they're switching to branded products. We are sorry, away from branded products, rather, mm. PJ. We used to love our branded products in this country, but now it's roughly 50-50 between branded and non-branded. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd so, even going for a sliced pan, you'll find yourself looking for the own brand, and if it looks anyway half palatable at all, you're gone because they're cheaper. Exactly. You know, I mean, it's going to, people are watching every cent at the moment, and, you know, they're very conscious the prices are going up a lot, and it's the branded stuff in particular that seems to be going up a lot. And there's a big element of profit-taking here. The European Central Bank has found this, that the big... Big, big suppliers, the big, big producers have seen an opportunity here to push up prices, you know, so there's an element of that going on. The other thing that's positive as well, the supply chain issues that go back to COVID, much of those have been sorted out. I mean, it was costing an absolute fortune to get a container from one side of the world to the other. A lot of stuff comes from Asia. Mm. That is That has been largely that's sorted exactly out. Yeah. yeah, so all of this is feeding into... Tesco being able to say to the suppliers, we want this stuff cheaper. Yeah. And the hope is now we, we, the others will respond and then we'll get another round. We need a, we need a couple of rounds of this. We before. do. And energy is starting to turn. And what, I, while I have it there for a second, Charlie, I think a lot of people are probably getting this with my latest electricity bill, which it wasn't, it wasn't laughable, I can tell you that much. Um, no. I got this thing because I got a smart meter in now, they're starting to throw smart tariffs at me with discounts yeah. on them. And I'm kind of saying, should I move to these? What's your experience? Have you looked into it? They're very confusing. They're very difficult to judge. I can't tell because some of them are very bad value and the regulator actually admitted that to me, that some of the smart tariffs are not great. Uh, so it, it is difficult to know whether to take up a smart tariff or not. Um, it looks very I'm, tempting on the numbers I'm doing, doing doing sums based on what I've spent the last 12 months. It looks very tempting, and that's why I'm saying if it looks very tempting, there's something I'm not seeing. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the, 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 they're new smart, smart, smart meter tariffs, and uh, there's not a lot of research out there. I find it difficult to find people who understand them and yeah. can compare them. Um, we're desperately waiting for a cut in energy prices. I mean, wholesale energy prices have fallen down below uh, 2022 levels. Um, and i just been on to all the big energy providers this, this week and said to them, listen, guys, you keep telling us you can't cut prices because you're tied into these long-term contracts. When are you coming out of those contracts? How many contracts have you got like that? Mm. Why should the consumer take a hit for your decisions? I got back waffle, just waffle, PJ. You know, we look at prices all the time, and we, you know, we're conscious of of, of the, you know. So there's there's nothing imminent that it could be a month or two, a couple of months before energy prices come down. It feels very much like we are now being ridden roughshod for energy, even more so than over six months ago. Charlie, thank you very much. And Charlie's prediction, Charlie Weston, personal finance editor at the Irish Hindu, reckons that the other supermarkets will follow suit after Tesco's did what they did with 700 price cuts. You'd hope that, wouldn't you? Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 FM. Yeah, the word Rod and your details to 083 96 96 Last chance for the week. To get your hands on tickets to see Rod Stewart live at the Marquee on the 20th of June. They're still coming in about your favourite stuff that you miss and your nostalgia and things like golf ball chewing gum, PK chewing gum, timeouts, walnut whips. Andrew making the point that some of the stuff we're talking about was so unhealthy it was probably decommissioned in the Good Friday Agreement. You're not wrong. We miss it. We're coming up to half past ten this morning. We have something very important to do on the programme today. We're launching Hours to Protect, which is an association with the independent broadcasters of Ireland. And I will tell you more about that when we get closer to the time. It's called Hours to Protect. You'll be hearing a lot of it across the radio station, across all your radio stations up and down the country over the months to come. And we're launching it at 10.30 this morning in association, as I said, with the independent broadcasters of Ireland. 0818 96 96 96. You might have heard about a late night rescue that happened the other night in Cork. Girl pulled from the water after a heroic effort from emergency services and members of the public happened down near Sullivan's Quay on Wednesday evening. Uh, James McDonough, you got into the water, I think, and helped out before the emergency services came. Good morning to you. Good morning to you. How are you? Good. What happened, fella? What did you see? I'll tell you what I see in the picture. I was in, I was in the city of Eden with some friends and family members. And basically, I was my friends was on a night out and I was with them. Yeah. And basically what the story was, um, there was a girl who was quite drunk. And I was over at Electric. Yeah. And when I was over at Electric, there was these two girls that come over and start shouting and screaming. But I heard shouting from a distance, like help and stuff. But I kind of didn't really kind of take notice of it. 
But then the friend came over and said, my friend is in the water, can you please help? Can you please help? So I walked over to O'Sullivan's Key, where the bridge was. Yeah. And I looked into the water, but I see nobody. But then as I kind of focused for a few minutes, then the two guys told me where she was. Right. So then I came down near the steps by Sullivan's Key. So I seen the girl in the water. Mm-hmm. And she was getting into very difficulty. And basically, I just tugged off. I just jumped in, Peter, and just brought her right back to the steps. How, how high was the water, James? This was the thing. I actually don't know how high the water. It was high enough for me to take into it. You understand? Yeah, there. it wouldn't be high tide, it wouldn't be low tide, like somewhere in between. Yes, it was yeah. middle of it, you understand. But this one, girl, she couldn't ask, she couldn't swim whatsoever, like. Yeah. Do you understand where I'm coming from? I do, of course. And was there a and strong current? Again, well, it was strong. I was in the water for about 20 minutes of a half an hour. I see. I see. I was trying to get her in as well. And I, I thought she, she was panicking, which I can't blame the girl. Yeah. She was panicking, and when she was panicking, she was trying to, like, pulling me down, and I was trying to tell her to bring her over. But talking to somebody that can't swim, PJ, is an awful thing, you know? Would you you'd be a handy swimmer yourself, James, would you? Yeah, I do a, a lot of swimming myself. Not that I wouldn't say that I'm a professional swimmer, do you get me? Yeah. But I, I know I know how to swim. Like I've, I've been swimming like at a young age. Would you have any, um, training, in, would you have any training in life-saving or rescue? Because you sound no, like you know what I you were doing. that. Whatsoever, I just goes out to the beach there now from time to time. It gets my swim and, and that'll be it. Goes off doing a few bits and pieces here and there. I see, I see. But so you got her. She was you, really struggling. Like, yeah. you got. Did you get her back to the side eventually? You did. I got her back onto the steps, but when I got her back onto the steps, the steps was very slippy. Yeah. So every time I tried to bring her up the steps, she was sliding back down the steps. Oh God. Yeah. So yeah. what I done then, BJ, is I just hold on to the girl and I hold on to the barriers. Yes. Until the emergency services came. So I had her off the, the water. And I had her on the steps. Good man. And the steps were too slippy to climb with her. And was too she, slippy. Was she conscious slippy. at that stage or was she... She was I see no light. She was just like... She was no light there. Like, do you understand where I'm coming from? I do. I and do. then the guys were calling him and ambulance services came, the fire brigades came, which they done a brilliant job as well. Good man. But we all got together and we just thank God that we got her out like Jimmy. Fair play, fair play. Because the way I do be looking at a PJ, it could have been me and, the, and I could be in that position sometime without like someone to do for me to get me. Well, the truth is, James, if you hadn't been there, the chances are we could be having a very different conversation this morning. That's exactly what it was. That's exactly. And there was so much of a crowd there, PJ, I couldn't get down the steps, if you understand where I'm coming from. Oh, right. But only when I could into the water was coming off the bridge to get me. All right. Did you did did you you didn't jump off the bridge, did you? Yes, I jumped off the bridge and swam over. Oh, I thought that you'd gone to the steps, man. No, no, I jumped off the bridge and I swam to the girl. Well done. So you don't. This is the pedestrian bridge now. Yes, that's correct. Not a bridge there by by the forest. I do. I do. By I do. Oh, crikey! Right I, thought, there. I thought you'd gone to the steps. Oh my goodness, that makes it even... Oh, even. I went in with, I went in with all my clothes as well, matter of fact, but I didn't care once I got to go out of the ah, water. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because look at this... Look, water is the strongest thing that you can get, like, it's just... You know, when truth? you're in water and you can't swim and you're panicking that, and ain't that the things truth? like that. Crikey. It's, you know, I thought... It's no, it's no good. You can try, she was panicking, and yeah. try to tell her, relax, and look, you're in a frightened state. You ah, don't yeah. think of things that have prison idea. Ah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I... I had thought that you were able to get to the steps and getting off the steps, but you didn't. You took life and limb in hand. Fair play oh, to you, I boy. Fair play to you. Yeah, just I just handed I just handed a, a stander by my phone, handed the phone, and then that was it, then Peter. Good man, good man. But 
took hope the was all right. You like didn't, that. she was too out of it, I suppose. You didn't get to talk to her or anything like that. You don't, no, I didn't haven't heard that. from I her since her. or anybody belonged to her, no? No, I haven't. I was talking to one or two of the guards and the ambulance services and the farmigates and you know, explained the story of what happened. Yeah. And how it happened and how I came to do it and told him a few bits of that story of what happened and stuff like that, you get me? Yeah. Okay, I wonder but, if any of her friends who were raising the alarm as best they could. See, like, I don't even know how long she was in the water, PJ. Yeah. yeah. Do you understand? Because I was away, where it happened, I was by electric. Oh, I know exactly where you were. Yeah, no, to tell I me, yeah. I was a good bit away, do you get me? I do, yeah, yeah. So I was running to the place that I didn't even know, so I had to follow these two girls to see where this girl was. I have you. I have you. They were panicking yeah, and looking for help, but of course they went to where the crowd was, which is over by electric. Yeah, yeah. that was basically it then, and then we all got together then, right. and we just... Well, well, to the tree well, just there, and one, two, three, and we just kept lifting her up, lifting her up. Well, well done. When I get out of that water, I'm completely exhausted. Well done to you, fella. Well done, James. That's James McDonough, who saved the life of a young woman who was in the river on Wednesday night. Well done. He jumped off that pedestrian bridge there, swam to her, swam with her to the steps, and then held her on the steps, because the steps were slippy, held her on the steps until the rescuers came to take them all to safety. Well done, young man. Well, well done to you. That's James McDonough. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Quartz 96 FM. You guys ready? Watch out, watch out. Drive home weekdays from four on Corks 96 FM. Hey, it's Lorraine. Make sure you're with me every weekday on the Big Drive Home, where it's all about the music. Catch the biggest artist interviews. Niall had planned a trip to Mullingar. It was a lot more hard work than I was expecting it to be. Win tickets for the coolest gigs. I am 100% the biggest artist fan that you will find. And pick the playlist yourself on the Takeover. Hi, it's Sir from Glanmire. Can you play Pink for me on the Takeover tonight? For all of that and more, join me every weekday from four. The Big Drive Home. With Independence Music and Arts Festival. Magic and memories at Indy 23. Tickets at independencefestival.com. Corks 96 FM. I want to talk first of all, though, to Katrina Devereaux, who's been writing in The Echo about the people we see at the beach. And I was down in Gary Vaux last Sunday in the blazing sunshine, Katrina, and I saw them all. I saw them all. <laughs> Every single... And more. There's more. I could have written a much bigger article than that. <laughs> we shall we shall start with the ultra-prepared mum. Now, about 50 yards from where we sat, we were just there to enjoy the, the sunshine. I wasn't going swimming or anything. I'm I'm one of the other crowd. I'm the crowd that has to, you know... Don't, please don't... You're a reluctant tell, swimmer. Yeah, I, I love swimming. I love swimming and I will be sort of have to be fished out of the water on my holidays in Lanzarote. But <laughs> no, 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 it's a bit cold uh, in, in, in Ireland for me most of the time. But the ultra prepared mum, there she is with two trolleys and freezer bags and ah. dry robes. All she's short of was a telly. And camper seats. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, maybe a barbecue. Um, definitely umbrellas. It's mm. so impressive, I have to say. I my hats off to this this species of 
beachgoer because I aspire to be an ultra prepared mom, but I often end up bringing my stuff in a little bag and going, oh, I forgot the sunscreen. Sorry, guys. Everyone put on their coats. She Um, never even took off her own shoes, this woman. She was too busy running around. (laughs) And and she had... Irish mammy it's just facilitating all this fun it's like it's a great day at the beach but like you can't go to the beach and not eat and not have changed the clothes so there has to be an enormous level of military operations to enable all you know to enable eight hours at the beach and she has it all covered it's like oh I want a, a bucket and spade got it I want a cold drink got it um, I'm hungry okay here's a snack like all all um, needs are catered for it's so impressive she had this bottomless sack okay it wasn't a bag it, it only looked like an ordinary shopping bag that you take but like I'd say she needed a, a mask and goggles to dive into the depths of it. And she had everything. If that child wanted know, butter and should. a knife, she had it. <laughs> I know, yeah, it's over. And then also, actually, I, I, the next day, I don't know if it was in the Echo, but or where I saw it, it was the Echo. There was um, a picture of two of a couple, and uh, like an older couple. So this mom wasn't even taking care of um, um, children, but she had like this um, barricade of windbreakers, and they had like a coffee table and like reclining sun loungers, oh, yeah. and yeah. they basically had a living room at the beach. And I was just like, that is so impressive. For, that for, is so for impressive. the sake of the five days a year, we can go. And this. <laughs> particular woman that I would tell you about now, she had a determined digger in her party. And no way, like she couldn't get his attention because he was about 30 yards away and he was so, I'm sure the young fellow was looking for Australia. I know, I know these determined diggers are like these very intense young fellas. They can be kind of, they can be any age. They can be from like two to maybe 14, I think might be the upper limit. He was limit. about nine. And I mean, yeah, I think that's the perfect age. I actually think as a nation, we're missing an opportunity to harness the physical labour of like 9, 10, 11 year old, 12 year old boys who just like digging. That's like, you know, we have me. a tree planting organisation. We need to plant like a million trees a year and there's a lot of holes to be dug. And should we not be like recruiting them for the summer <laughs> because could, they love it? This, this, this lad's name was Oshin. I could have heard them calling him. And we could, if we could harvest a small army of Oshins. We could dig foundations what, what for million houses. And then the ultra-prepared mums could feed them while they're working in the fields, planting all these trees or digging trenches for the new houses or whatever it is that requires diggers. We have it covered. <laughs> they're there. Come here with the swimmers. I had to laugh because there was a fella. I, I would be the reluctant swimmer. No, part of the reason I didn't go in on Sunday was we had been, we had been the water wasn't that bad, but we, we had been out on Saturday at a barbecue so to say I was mildly woolly headed and probably wouldn't have been concentrating the best might be the best way to put it so the water was the last place I was going safety first yes. safety first but one of our one of our determined arrived at ran got out of the car and into the tugs down the sand straight into the water and rose out of it with a scream <laughs> Jesus it's freezing <laughs> Oh, it's the best form of entertainment because there's such a range of, of approaches to getting into the water in Ireland. You have yeah. that approach. And then and also you could have the same approach and then someone just emerges from it as if like they were getting out of a bath, not n- like no flinching, not feeling the cold, just like, yeah, loving oh, this. Oh, and then like them. for me, I'm also... A re- I'm a reluctant swimmer too in that I, I don't like the cold, but I do go swimming. But I, and, I, and I have it, my approach now after watching all these people kind of going in, doing their 
various squirming and holding their arms up and trying to keep as much of their body out of the water for as long as possible. <laughs> My approach now is to get a bit more zen about it. Someone told me to try and breathe into it and just like keep walking. Don't stop because if you stop, yeah. you know, your brain takes over and you might never do it. <laughs> oh yeah, I know you can. There's that approach. There's that. I don't know what the hyperventilating reluctant swimmer. Um, there's so many of them and I swear like you don't need to bring a book to the beach if you're in Ireland because no. just watch people getting into the water. All it's the just so much All fun. the entertainment is there. Although, do you know what? I had to say, leave the dry robes, lads, for the love of God. You know, that it's like, a, uh, leave the dry robes. They're, 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 they're so very practical. I have to say, I mean, the bride, but just wear, like, they make perfect sense at the beach, but don't wear them after the beach. Don't go to the shops in them or go to the bar in them or any of those things. Just be like, they're a really good idea for keeping dry quickly, but that's where they should stay in that oh, realm. No, don't be wandering up to the ice cream truck. In the dry robe. And yeah, you know, I, and, can wear, I think if you're in the vicinity of sand, you can wear a dry robe. Yeah. But after that, then you, it just Katrina, starts getting... You and I both know, right, that half of them are wearing the dry robe to show off the fact that they can afford one. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> well, you and know, since they're very... Aldi, um, do you know? Well, I think since Aldi and Lidl and Pennies and all those ones started doing the cachet of the dry robe is gone, I, I, I think. But <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not motivated by brands, so what would I know? Well... Unfortunately, it looks like this weekend might not be a beach weekend, but another one isn't too far away. I'm very confident the weather might dip, but it ain't going to break just yet. But uh, <laughs> good fun. Well, you'll, you'll, get your, you'll get your swim in so this summer, definitely. Oh, I will. Oh, I will. I went very soon. I remember, listen, I'll leave you with a quick one. I remember being down in Fountainstown a couple of summers ago in, in the peak of July and it was water was lovely. And in for my swim, when I was out having my coffee at Angela's afterwards, I was talking to this old lad. He said, you're in the water? I was, says I. I said, <laughs> uh, I don't know, bit hot, too flipping hot. <laughs> and I said to Angela, he just said it's too hot. He, yeah, he swims on Christmas Eve. I thought there's made oh a different goodness. gravy. Different gravy. Yeah, Kat yeah. Katrina, pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much. Katrina Deborah from The Echo. <laughs> they're, they're out there. They're the entertainment available to you on an Irish beach. Why would you even bring a screen? Don't get me stuck on those families. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96 FM. Hi, it's Elmarie. Join myself and Connor every Sunday morning to find out what's happening in the arts all over Cork. There's so much happening. Fantastic festivals with great events for all ages. And we'll tell you all about them. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. Planted, picked and produced in Cork. Griffin's Potatoes. The great taste of home. Cork's 96 FM. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hours to Protect. Brought to you by Cork's 96FM, the IBI, and funded by Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out hourstoprotect.ie for more info. Our Earth, ever in flow and motion, a dynamic symphony of forces, all working together. But in recent years, it's beginning to become clear that our world is poorly prepared to cope. And time is running out. Every continent is burning. People are losing their homes. Ecosystems are being destroyed. We're now over the line. Over 26,000 species are currently threatened with extinction. It doesn't even make the headlines. No one even knows about it. There seem to be some serious conflicts of interest going on. The industry is just concerned with growth. This was the elephant in the room no one wanted to talk about. I want others to see for themselves. This is all we've got. This little blue miracle. This planet is our home. And it is up to us what happens now. History has shown that when we stand together, we can achieve great things. The clock is ticking. And this morning we're launching ours to protect. That is the unmistakable voice of Kate Winslet. She narrated Eating Our Way to Extinction. It's a powerful documentary dealing with the most pressing issue of our generation, ecological collapse. And there's a very strong cork angle to the documentary. Its producer, Mark Galvin, is a melancholic man. He's founder and director of the World Preservation Foundation, and he joins me uh, now to discuss the documentary. Mark, thanks for being with us as part of this IBI, Ours to Protect campaign. Now, you travelled far and wide to put this documentary together. It's a fascinating watch, about an hour and a half. Very scary at times. But if you were to look back at it again, Mark, what's the worst thing you observed on your travels in making uh, the documentary? I suppose... Uh, one of the big things was the destruction of the rainforest. When you see um, these ancient trees, uh, which, you know, the cliche, the lungs of the earth being cut down, and they're hundreds of years old, um, and just all the biodiversity lost around each tree. Hmm. 
But then when you consider the the scale of destruction in the Amazon and they're trying to pass new laws in Brazil so they can actually destroy more. Yeah. And I think it was the Irish president called it out this week and said it was a crime against humanity. And, you know, what we've got to realize is that, you know, we're having these droughts in Europe, severe droughts in Spain and France and Portugal um, and Italy right now. Um, and Italy, you know, the government said they lost six billion in crop last year because of the droughts. Yeah. And they've just had their first winter drought with their main river, the Po, is dry. So you can see, you know, we we can't isolate it. It's it's one planet, uh, one biodiversity that keeps the, the weather systems in place. And we've got to protect it. And not only that, do we have to protect the existing rainforest? Um, the calculation we've done is that we need to plant about a trillion trees in the next 10 years uh, to sequest more carbon. So it's, it's, it's about protecting what we have, but also planting on a, on a pretty aggressive scale. Yeah, yeah. So everything is connected and the documentary makes that point extremely well. A lot of big names involved. The rich and famous seem to have taken it upon themselves to get into this climate debate. Yeah, I think when you have money, I think you tend to be able to stand back and look at the world as well. And I think travel a lot as well, and you see the, the different changes in the world. And I think they're philanthropic as well, and, and they also have children and grandchildren. So they're looking at the future of the planet. So they want to get involved and they want to help. And we had some um, fantastic people involved in our production. And we had, you know, Kate Winslet was kind enough to do the narration. Mm. Um, and we had, you know, loads of good people promote the documentary. I think um, Leonardo DiCaprio put out a few tweets for us and posts and so on. So, yeah, they're, you know, these people are seeing what's happening and they're, they're willing to put their efforts behind it as well. Our focus today is very much on food. And you mentioned Italy and the, the loss of crops. Our supply of food will be in trouble, is in trouble already, I think, is, is the point being made. Yeah, and, you know, we've got to, we've got to be realistic. You know, we, we, I get up in the morning, you see, you see the great weather we're having right now in Ireland. And at first I'm thinking, great, the beautiful day. But in the back of my head, because I know so much, I have so much data on climate change, that fear kicks in as well that, you know, we're heading in this direction where the planet is heating up. And we can see the effects now. The media covered the droughts and the fires in, in Europe last summer. I think we're going to have something similar this summer and the summer after. So I think the media are starting to report more. So people on the ground are feeling it. And I think Europeans are waking up to the fact that this isn't um, down the road anymore. This is right now. I've been making the point that, yes, I love this weather just, just like you do. But in the back of my mind, I'm also conscious that it's concerning for different reasons. Yeah, and it's quite concerning. There's a, the Black Rock is one of the biggest funds in the world. I think they manage seven, $7.2 or something. And on their website, which is blackrock.com, you can see they've got a map on there. And it shows critical levels of water security around the world. And when I looked at that map first, someone had sent, a scientist had sent it to me. I thought it was 2050, but it, it's actually referencing 2030. And if you look at that map, what they're telling their investors is don't invest in these regions mm. because of the severe water security that's going to hit us by 2030. So 
we are going to have to start coming up with solutions. We have the solutions, actually. We've got a lot of the, the, the solutions in place. We need to plant more trees. People need to adjust their diets because one of the biggest uh, contributors is animal agriculture. We need to help farmers transition, which I think the, U- the Irish government are doing a good job on now and the EU. Like I think the Irish government now have given um, incentives to farmers to do forestry, solar, plant more vegetables. And there's a fourth one, but they're, they're, and they're good, good subsidies. So you can see that Europe is actually probably leading the way on subsidizing industries to change. There's a lot more to be done, but at least they're they're doing they're doing what they can now. How much of that is driven, Mark, by the fact that two huge countries, France and Spain, have been in serious trouble for a couple of years in terms of their own crops, their own products? Oh, 100%. I think you, you see Germany was on the edge last year. Um, the River Rhine was so low and their industrial re- region uh, relies heavily on the on the tugboats bringing resources up to the factories. They were within, I think, two inches of the boats not being able to get through. So Germany's waking up, Spain, Portugal, France. The French farmers were asking their government for two billion in subsidies to buy feed for their livestock from, more than likely it would have come from South America, to subsidize because they couldn't produce enough in France because of the droughts. Hmm. So, And that's a vicious cycle because if you buy, if you're buying feed from Brazil and South America, in, inevitably, you're destroying rainforest, which contributes to the problem in France anyway. So I think we need to relook at how, how we eat, we need to plant trees, and the transition to, to away from fossil fuels to electric is very important as well. Did I read where people who make champagne are buying land elsewhere outside of the champagne region because it's now almost too hot to make champagne, yeah. So the, the the champagne growers are buying land in in in, in the UK and Sweden uh, because the the grape is actually very sensitive. It's one of the most sensitive grapes, and that's starting to fail. Wow. Um, I was watching the news last summer, and there was a woman. She must have been early eighties, a French woman who grew who had olives, olive groves, and she said the first time in her life her olive trees failed, and. You hear that right through Sicily, the, the, the olives are failing because it's so dry and olives will grow in a pretty severe condition. Yeah, I was just thinking that olives grow on the edge of a desert, for goodness sake. Yeah. So we're getting to a point where we need change. We need to look at our food security as well, not just, not just you know, Ireland, even though we're on the edge, we're on the edge of Europe. Um, we also need to look at our food security. And I think there needs to be uh, the European Union, the US and so on. There needs to be more invest in, investment into vertical farming, hydroponic and all these kind of alternatives of producing crop um, so that we can rewild a lot of the, the land that's there yet produce food in a very efficient way with very little water, very little pesticides. Mm. As individuals, as householders, as people with families, what can we do day to day ourselves to help? We we feel helpless as one. We're I'm one person. You're one person. What can we do to help, or can we? I think on an individual level, the the one. If you look at the carbon footprint of an individual person. Um, a lot of it is food. So if we reduce our meat and dairy consumption, we're automatically making a difference. Then obviously, 
how we use power, um, you know, the transition to electric cars, even though they're expensive. But again, governments need to step in and help people get on that, go on that journey. Uh, so as individuals, I suppose right now, the thing you can do is, you know, as we say in the documentary, it's it's on your plate. So that can have a substantial reduction in your footprint. And then if you can get involved in local projects where you're uh, growing your own food, planting trees, uh, as individuals, they're the, probably the most powerful things we can do. Mark, good to talk to you today. And the, the film is well worth watching for everybody, I think. And thank you for being with us. Thank you so much. Yeah, that uh, film, thank you, Mark. That film is called Eating Our Way to Extinction. You'll find it on YouTube. It's free, free access on YouTube to watch the whole film. It's on other platforms too. Uh, but that's that's the producer who is a melancholic man, Mark Galvin. Um, we're here this morning launching uh, the Hours to Protect campaign. It's the IBI uh, Hours to Protect campaign. You can find out more on a special website, ourstoprotect.ie. Something we also want you to do is to check out our footprint calculator. It's footprintcalculator.org. It's a fascinating website. I browsed around it yesterday. You can check out your own ecological footprint. In other words, your own impact on the well-being of the planet day-to-day, just what you eat, the energy that you use, everything that you do. I did there calculator myself yesterday and if everybody lived the same way as I do you'd want 3.5 planets to take care of us all um, and and that's even, and we're talking we're focusing a lot about food today and we've even at home started focusing quite a lot on food waste and trying to cut it down. We're also going to carry out surveys as part of this project to get information on environmental issues and promote it, the awareness of it with with our audience. All the surveys will be available on our social media channels as part of the Hours to Protect campaign. Speaking about food today and just trying to watch the wastage of food. Uh, Since the food bin came into Coogan Towers, we are certainly watching the stuff that goes into it and trying to say, can we do something else with that without throwing it into without throwing it into the food bin. Joined by two people here, very involved in the food food industry in their own specific ways and the sustainable food industry. First, turn to Orla McAndrew. Uh, zero waste weddings. Orla, we talked about this a little while when you launched the idea and I was saying to you there off air, in my time as a wedding DJ, where you'd stay over from time to time, you come down the following morning to sort out the gear. The amount of food walked into the carpet of a function room. You could fill black bags with it. That's where you come in. That shouldn't be there. Good morning. Morning, PJ. It's good to be here. Yeah, do you know what? Food waste for me comes down to whether or not people have respect for the food that they have in front of them. And I think when we have food so readily available and so cheaply available, it's very easy to disregard the importance of it or where it came from. And I think how my idea, the idea of my business came into being was that I have utter respect for Irish food growers and the work that they do to to produce food that's fit for consumption. So it's apparent to me that that could get wasted. Mm. Um, And when did it become acceptable that there will be bag loads of food after a wedding? Like, it's just a given. People assume that that's going to be the case. Mm. 
But even outside of my zero waste wedding offering, all of my all of my catering, I have everything so portion controlled because the idea of wasting perfectly good food is just goes completely against the grain. And I think it just that comes from a place of utter respect for the work that goes into producing that food in the first place. Like the, the stuff that you have at the afters of the wedding, the sandwiches, the sausages, mm. the chicken wings, the whole that kind of thing. That's the stuff I find that gets wasted in, in stones, literally stones. So I suppose that's just about using using a little bit of intelligence and knowing that you don't need tons and tons and tons of food. And at that hour of the night, people are busy on the dance floor. Pop something out, make sure that there's something available and that it's tasty and it's delicious. But you don't need loads. of. They've already been fed. They've already had an amazing meal, hopefully, mm. during the day. And that's just like a little something to keep you going, give you that extra bit of dancing <laughs> energy mm. for a couple yeah. hours. So, so someone asks you, right Orla, I want a zero waste wedding. I like what you do. What do you do? How do you do? How what, what do you do with 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 the couple? So we first, firstly, we sit down and we find out what kind of style of service they're interested in because that's kind of the only input that they can have. So whether they want sort of a buffet style or a barbecue style or um, a, a formal sit down meal, that that's where their input comes in. And after that, then we we're literally relying on our suppliers, one of whom is sitting right here beside me. Um, and on the week of the wedding, we gather anything that's in surplus or that hasn't gone, that doesn't have a market. And we look at it on the Thursday. And from that, we create a complete menu and we serve it on the day. So literally on the Saturday morning, we're still planning out what's okay. going to be on the menu. Oh, so you're, you're, you're basing your menu on what's available to exactly. you in the moment rather than deciding months in advance. Exactly. Which is a whole new way to plan. You, you, you mentioned your suppliers. Uh, one of them is sitting there, Brian McCarthy of Cork Rooftop Farms. Again, we've spoken many times as the farms, the rooftop farm grows from strength to strength and there's a cafe there now. They started, we'll come back to the weddings and the food thing in a second, but they started as a lockdown project. Yeah, um, it seems like an eternity ago now, but just three and a half years ago at the start of the pandemic, um, just an innocent COVID pastime project, I guess, and it, it somewhat mushroomed into uh, a, a fully-fledged business, um, really. I suppose we just started growing vegetables on a rooftop, started documenting it on Instagram and different social media channels, and people resonated with the story and, like, the idea of it. And, yeah, I suppose, yeah, we're, 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 we've driven on over those three and a half years, and now we have the shop, and we've couple of market gardens and hens, pasteurised hens and things like that. So. Really? And you've, I think you've had a lot of local restaurants have said, do you know what? I need carrots. Yeah. He's growing them up the roof, on the roof. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And they're good carrots. Yeah, I, 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 um, it was I, one of the first things we, we had. I remember in the first few months, we, 51 car market across the road and we had, they got onto us asking, do you have any baby carrots? And of course we were just just starting and they literally walked 100 yards, well, not even 100 yards, mm. 100 steps to the rooftop to get the carrots to go into the... Yeah. And they were on the menu that afternoon. So, you know, that that's that's a very unique thing to have in the city, I guess. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're very proud to have that. Well, I was talking or reading about someone during the week whose boast is that everything in their restaurant is coming from within five kilometres. There's restaurants in town now coming from within, like you said, 100 steps their veg and, and, and stuff like that. So, Orla, you and Brian work together as, and he, he's one of your suppliers. So what happens? There's a wedding coming up on Saturday. You talk to Brian when? So I'll give him a heads up maybe two weeks in advance so that 
uh, and that's with all of my suppliers so that they can be looking at and seeing what they might potentially have. Now, Brian mightn't always have something, but I've got a huge list of suppliers that I can go to so that for sure the couples won't be left wanting. Mm. So if Brian happens to have something, he'll let me know by the Wednesday. I'll come and pick it up on the Thursday and it'll be a box of produce that's second to none. Absolutely phenomenal. Mm. And uh, we'll, we'll work out a menu based on that. And then you'll decide, right, what yeah. we can do with this. The one thing I would say might be problematic is people used to certainly like to know months in advance what they're having. Is is that a conversation you have to have with them? Sorry, look, you'll find out your menu on Friday when I know what I have. It's actually amazing. The, the response to that, without fail, has been, oh, thank God, we don't have to put any effort into thinking about the menu. That's somebody <laughs> else's job now. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's appealing to people, which I wouldn't, that wasn't something I would have thought of first off. But yeah, it's fantastic. National Food Waste Recycling Week is also this week. And again, with, with fruit and veg, um, Brian, do you know, they are... They they turn easy, yeah. as in their their peak freshness. And we see that in, in our own fridge, in our own cupboards. Their peak freshness isn't what it was on Thursday. It's not what it was on Tuesday. But they don't have to be thrown out. No, um, and I, I think you know a lot of that as well as if 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 you're shopping locally from local producers as well, you're going to get more longevity out of your produce because the stuff has probably been harvested closer to the time of purchase. Um, and you, no, certainly you don't need to be throwing anything out. There's loads of ways you can you can you know if you've got a bunch of kale that's kind of gone a bit limp, you can put it in a smoothie. Could, there's loads of different yeah. things you can do. Um, or and if and and I think one really important thing is as well, if you do have an element of food waste, do not put it in the general waste bin. Mm-hmm. Like, mm. It has to go in back into compost. I think there needs to be a much stronger emphasis across the city on everybody using the brown waste bin when you have to use it, keeping it as small as possible. Mm. But when you do have that element that like that it goes back into the loop, that it's not being buried into landfill, that is yes. that it's being caught the amount of food that is going into the general landfill in this country is sinful. It needs to be massively, massively. When the food bin and the little food bags, they were invented for that exact purpose to keep the food out of Mm -hmm. landfill. It's a habit. You have to do some work to get into it. It's it's also the bare minimum. I know you touched on that, but it really is the bare minimum. Like there is literally no excuse for any of it to be going into the bin. If you are interested and you want to educate yourself, there's so much information out there about what you can do with peels, with limp, you know, Mm. and how to bring things back to life Mm. as well. And storage is really important. You said you meant you have um, hens. Yes. Do do you sell eggs? We do, yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, if you take a simple thing, we've started kind of in our house at the weekends, both myself and my son are very partial to an omelette. And my wife, one of the best things she ever did for me was teach me how to make an omelette. And... If you can make an omelette, you'll never have waste. Waste. No. It's always you'd always find something yeah. to put in to a to an omelette. They're little ideas that we have. We've been asking the young people uh, in Cork what they want would do to to help save the planet. That's the the basis of it. Uh, Alana Daly Mulligan went to see students at uh, St Patrick's Primary School on Gardner's Hill to ask them what they are doing or they think they should be doing to save the planet. Do we have any concerns about the future of the planet? Yes. Yes. Tell me about that. I do have concerns about the future of the planet because if we continue the way we're going, like by throwing stuff in landfills and not recycling, like global warming and stuff, and like the ice caps are melting and a lot of animals are going extinct, like bees and wasps. So that might be bad for the future of the planet. A lot of people don't do their part when it comes to 
the environment because they think ju- if just me doing something small won't make any impact but if everybody does that small thing it will make a massive impact on the world in a lot of hot countries there's a lot of drought and a lot of them don't have access to clean water so if like let's say they got dirty water they may become sick and then other people won't have access to any other clean water do you think we're doing enough to protect the planet and make sure it's okay going into the future no i don't think that we're doing enough i think some people don't care enough so they're kind of just throwing things away and not really taking care where i think everyone if they chimed in and did their bit it would make a lot bigger impact for the future people might say oh somebody else will recycle or somebody else will do this and if everyone had this mindset then nobody would do anything and nothing would change i think that people need to remember that this is our planet and we need to take care of it it's just little things like let's say throwing bottles and bushes because let's say like other people do it like it's not going to do our like planet any good there's no point in like littering let's say just because your friend does it it's kind of like the tesco thing every little helps so if you just don't litter then it'll make a big impact. Tell me a little bit about fast fashion. Do you know what fast fashion is? Big companies like Sheen, people always buy off them because they're like cheap. And then the, the other stuff go to waste, like the clothes, and that's very bad for the earth as well. I know about fast fashion and in the factories that they work in, they leave out like a lot of gases from the factories and they kind of just throw all the clothes out into dumps and it's that's bad for the planet to start making as many clothes like the best thing to do is donate to charity maybe if you have like older siblings like take their old clothes get someone else's old clothes and make it into something new and a lot of companies like sheen they mass produce a load of clothes and they try and sell them all but a lot of times they don't and the ones they don't sell they get thrown into landfills if it keeps going on over the next few years, the whole planet might be covered in landfills. Big companies, they don't pay their workers enough, don't get paid enough for what they do and they work really long hours. And it's bad for the environment and it's bad for them. What do you think we can do to combat fast fashion? People could maybe kind of do their research and check what companies would be using fast fashion and maybe try and limit down the amount they're buying from those type of companies. You could shop in charity shops or you can recycle and reuse your clothes and like design them the way you want to and or get clothes off siblings or cousins. If you were to give advice to the people of Cork on how they can be more sustainable and better friends to the environment, what would you say? Don't go killing flies if there's like one in your window or something because we need the insects and the bugs and stuff. Maybe if you're cooking something or... Um, doing something in the baking maybe kind of if limit your options and stuff or if you're going shopping try look for things that aren't wrapped in so much plastic you can get bags and like compost stuff also some people might not know what's going on in different countries so like if so you might go oh i'm just throwing out this water bottle it won't do nothing but who knows it might end up in a different country where there is so many water bottles and the water is really dirty so instead of throwing it out on the road you might just think before you do it and put it in a bin because it'll be better in a bin than ending up in a country or in the ocean with other animals and people if you make a lot of food let's say on a sunday you could just go into town and drop it into penny dinners if you have any leftovers or something like that. also if you've peeled your vegetables and you've like potato skins or carrot like peelings you could start a compost bin and you could use all that food waste then to grow more plants and different flowers what we do is if we've lots of leftover food if we don't eat it we put it into the freezer because it stays longer and then we can eat it whenever we need to 
always make sure that you're doing your part because even if you think it's just a small thing, it will make a massive difference. Or, or and Brendan. There's a lot of wisdom in there. And we need to listen to <laughs> Unbelievable this. wisdom, actually. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the freezer one is one of my, my go-to. I will always make great use of the freezer. And I love the girl who said about... Um, the carrot peels and the potato peels and using that for compost, they're really clued in. You yeah, people. the wrapper, the plastic wrapper, it always uh, amazed me, Brian, wh- why is it that something that comes in its own wrapper, like a cucumber, has to have plastic practically glued it, onto it? it? I suppose it's become, an, in a lot of situations, industry norms or standards, but they, they need to, to be reassessed and looked at. And We have a zero-waste food dispensing area in our stores where people can come in and they don't need. They can reuse their jars, reuse bags, and they, they, oh, really? you know, yeah. So it, 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 it. There's no need for extra plastic. It's, it's. Oh, it's cutting down on that side of things. Right. But yeah, I know. Fair play to those kids. I, I think the there's definitely a new generations coming through who who would inspire. I mean, I was out of the school in Carrigavar last week. Uh, fourth, fifth and sixth class and the questions I was getting back was just phenomenal. The it knowledge of learned from They're thinking about this or I'll finish up briefly with you now but they're, they're, they're thinking more about this than we are. They are and to be honest my three young girls were the catalyst for me looking into it more. Like the questions that were coming from my then six-year-old really started the ball rolling for me about what more we could do within our own home. So I do think children are the key um, and if we if we tune into them a little bit more and mm. think about them and their future, we'll all act a little bit differently. Listen to them and turn our own skills to use the advice they give us, like you did being a chef. And Brian, you, you, you did, I mean, you're not a farmer. Well, you are now, yeah. but you weren't at the time. <laughs> <He> sure is. <laughs> <laughs> all right, listen, thank you both for being here. Uh, Brian from the Cork, uh, Cork uh, Farm, Rooftop Farm, and Orla McAndrew from Zero Waste Weddings as we launch the Hours to Protect campaign. Further details available at www.hourstoprotect.ie thought it might be appropriate to finish up today with some words of advice from the granddaddy of them all, one of the most distinguished environmentalists of his time and our time, any time, still campaigning at nearly 97 years of age. I speak of Sir David Attenborough. If there's one thing we all have to do, it is to avoid waste. Not to waste food, energy, plastics, or time. Each of us can use our actions and our voice to save our planet. We may be in different countries, of different ages, or facing different challenges in our daily lives, so the way we make an impact is different for each of us. What is important is that we try, and that we try as if our very future depends upon it. Hours to Protect, brought to you by Cork's 96FM, the IBI, and funded by Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out hourstoprotect.ie for more info. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Fox 96 FM.
Yeah, just to reiterate that appeal coming in from Glan Meyer, the club have been on, Finbar O'Brien has been on. There are huge crowds down there today, people wanting to pay their respects to the late Teddy Mack. His lying in repose is later this evening at the funeral home. I think it's four to six and then the funeral mass and uh, burial is tomorrow. But to big crowds expected, as you would expect, to uh, pay respects and say farewell to a sporting hero of ours. But they've been on to ask, please, if people could remember that it is a solemn occasion and just have a little bit of patience, particularly around the GA pitch, around the church itself and around the funeral harbour. And they are the funeral parlour, rather, parlour. They just... um, asked us to mention that and also there was a a nice suggestion went out on Glenmire notice board during the week uh, people to put out their cork their stars and their Glenmire flags in tribute to Teddy for the next 24 hours for in the solemn ceremonies of his funeral uh, to put out the the um, the flags of of stars Glenmire and cork of course for the next 24 hours and I think they'll be around not just they'll be out not just around not just around Glenmire but they'll be out around Cork as I would say fair to, farewell to um, to Teddy Mac we had young James on in the last hour the chap who jumped into the river literally jumped into the river off the bridge the other night to save that young girl who'd gotten into difficulties after falling in and he jumped off the pedestrian bridge there over near electric and he swam to her and he rescued her brought her to the the steps by Sullivan's Quay the steps were too slippy to get her up she wasn't able to walk up herself so he held on to her at the bottom of the steps and kept her and him safe until the rescue services came to, to do what they do best we podcast that interview after the show but just someone on the phone saying, I want to see, I'm delighted listening to that young man. He was an inspiration to people. We all know young people get adventurous at night, but in just a minute, it can all turn to tragedy. And it would have if it wasn't for this chap. I'm delighted that our city still has people like that. Still people with a good heart. Thank you for that one. 0818 96 96 96. We still have some more of your nostalgia with great crack with the... Uh, Christine and a cast of thousands between nine, well, dozens, between nine and ten, um, about the stuff that you remember from your childhood, the sweets, the ice creams, the, the sweet shops and the ice cream shops. We'll get back to some more of those before we finish out for this Friday. But the marathon was last Sunday, as you know, the 4th of June, and just loads of great stories that emerged from it. We had a couple of them on earlier in the week. Johnny, the chap who six months ago was in prison and the other day ran the the half marathon and we spoke to Georgie who won the women's race and she's related to the man who designed the courthouse in Cork City and we had a good chat with her. We, some more people, we, people who were helped over the line because they just couldn't make it without help and that was okay too but here's a fascinating story uh, Fiona O'Regan is 28 she's from New Two Pothouse just outside Mallow uh, she's a pharmacist 
And Fiona, it was your first marathon and you finished. And congratulations to you. Good morning. Good morning, TJ. Um, thanks a million. It's a relief to have it over and done with. <laughs> it's something you might not, as a little girl, ever envisage being able to do. Um, no, I think that'd be totally fair to say. Um, I never envisaged kind of once I had my diagnosis of um, scoliosis and subsequent surgery, I never imagined that I'd be participating really in sport or exercise of any kind. Um, so kind of to get to this point of actually finishing a marathon is something I wouldn't ever have dreamed for myself. <laughs> I've often spoken to parents of children with scoliosis, but I think this is a first for me talking to someone who's actually been through it and had the surgery. What was it like growing up? So I was kind of diagnosed initially, um, I think I was in sixth class in primary school. I suppose at that age, you know, you're very self-conscious about your appearance and all the rest. So um, as you might know, when you have scoliosis and I suppose the severity of the curvature that I did, you're quite disfigured. Mm. Um, so you're very self-conscious, especially I suppose as a girl, what you're wearing, going out with your friends and things like that. Um, mm. So I suppose in a funny way, even though like I'm sure parents you've spoken to, my parents were very anxious about me getting the surgery, but whereas I just couldn't wait. I, I really wanted the surgery. I just wanted to be fixed. Um, and I was very, well, I suppose, lucky, unlucky. I was 14 when I eventually had the surgery. I was in second year in school, and I suppose I was waiting for over 12 months for that surgery. Yeah. So in that time, obviously, the curve almost doubled in size. Um, it does very fast in your teens, so I'm told. You yes. had a, a visible yeah. bump. Well, is it painful? Yeah, I would have been in a lot of pain prior to my surgery, um, and I suppose to a certain extent afterwards, but definitely more manageable in the aftermath. Um, I suppose when you think about it, whatever about the bones kind of being off to one side, it's all the muscles are being pulled as well. Yes. So even just kind of walking long distances or even sitting for a long time puts extra strain on those muscles. Mm. Um, so it, it can be very painful, yeah. I, I imagine it was very difficult, stressful. You, you, you become very conscious, do you, of how you look, even though everyone says to you, just live your life, you're great as you are. Everyone says these things to you, but you, you, if you feel different yeah. inside, don't you? Oh, completely. And like, you know, I think things like um, going swimming, I would have completely avoided swimming because I didn't want to be in a swimsuit. Um, going to discos and things like that, I would have avoided as well because I didn't want to be was wearing you know tight clothes and um, things that would draw attention to kind of my disfigurement um so I would buy clothes like tops in particular that were kind of a few sizes too big leave things baggy just to try and hide as best as I could kind of behind the clothes yeah. um but since then obviously like I was very fortunate I had like an excellent correction like surgery went kind of as well as it possibly could have yes um so kind of to the average person now walking around they'd never know just by looking at me that I really? had scoliosis I'm I'm yeah I'm, I'm very lucky I had such a good correction yeah who was your surgeon Pat Kiley a ah. man of course why am I not well, why am <laughs> I not surprised yet another person yes. says Pat Kiley did a fantastic job on me I know he really like I mean I'll be forever grateful <laughs> to Pat and I suppose 
you probably know, like Pat was one of the founding members of Straight Ahead, yes. um, who are the charity that I ran the marathon for on Sunday. So that was a huge part of it for me was to give back because I'm so grateful. When did you start running? So I think like a lot of people, I started running during COVID. <laughs> um, I had tried a few times before that, but I was never able to keep it up or maintain it. Um, so I started running again during COVID. I did a couch to 5K just through an app on my phone. Mm. And then I was kind of like running away and like not really getting anywhere. And, you know, it's very hard to motivate yourself to keep going on your own. So then that's when I... um signed up for um it's, it was called tuesday trotters it was like an eight-week program with okay. toker ac and um like just from there it's kind of snowballed um definitely joining the club was a really big motivating factor in kind of keeping running and being able to maintain consistent running yeah fantastic and how did you work your way up then to, what distance did you do I did the full marathon wow. so 42.2 <laughs> that's a long way from couch to 5k to couch to 42k <laughs> <laughs> I know yeah um, I suppose it was once I joined Toker um, so when I finished the Trotters program I kind of graduated into their Fit for Life group yeah. and I suppose you're running then with people who are kind of running races and doing longer distances all the time so that would have been maybe like January 2022 and I decided then I would try and take on a half marathon that year so I ran the half marathon like this same weekend last year yeah. in Cork and then just towards the end of last year I was kind of thinking like it would just be unreal <laughs> to if I could like for myself one be able to run the marathon but two use it as like a platform to raise awareness and then to raise money then as well, obviously. For Straight Ahead. So tell me now about what they do. So basically Straight Ahead were set up in part by Pat Kiley, but also um, by a lady called Deirdre, who herself, she was actually born with scoliosis, so a different type to what I would have had. But um, it all kind of spurred from kind of after when I would have had my surgery 14 years ago, just the waiting lists were getting longer and longer and children were basically deteriorating, like becoming worse and worse as a result of not having their surgeries. Mm. So it's kind of to get time-sensitive children and teenagers off waiting lists for major orthopedic surgery, which a lot of the surgeries they would do would be spinal fusions for children and teenagers with scoliosis. And... Um, both just the nature of the surgery, it's generally a very long and complicated surgery. So it takes up a lot of theatre time, a lot of theatre staff. Yeah. Um, so kind of trying to schedule these surgeries, it's very time demanding and staff demanding. So they would pay um, hospitals for theatre time, pay theatre staff to kind of come in and do extra surgeries basically to get people off waiting lists so they do really amazing work very important very important work how did you do yeah. on Sunday oh well as I'm sure you know um, the conditions on Sunday were <laughs> a bit unprecedented um, I hadn't done any of my training in weather like this <laughs> but do you know what I finished 
I I was kind of in my head. I kind of wanted to get under the five hour mark, but yeah. I ended up being a bit slower than that. I think I was five eighteen. That's okay. That's, that, oh, yeah. Says he, that's okay. I could barely walk twenty six yeah. miles. Ahead. <laughs> when you kind of set out with a target in mind, but you know what? The weather was just so hard to manage on the day that kind of once I got to the 30k point I was like do you know what even if I have to walk the rest of it it's fine well, well done um, you well done you does, does, does Dr you. Kylie know that you did it I don't think so well he will now <laughs> congratulations to you Fiona and well done thanks so much PJ thank you thanks Fiona that, that's Fiona o- O'Regan she had uh, scoliosis surgery when she was 14 and she ran her first marathon on Sunday. Well done to her. And well done to everybody who finished. I think that still people talking about the marathon and the pictures and the people that took part in the stories behind them. And it's back next year, of course, on the June weekend. 0818 96 96 Some sad news. We, we heard it early this morning, but we hadn't had it confirmed at the time of going to air so to speak, but we do have it now. Own English has run it in the examiner and it has been confirmed. The man who was critically injured in that accident in Stryker on the 18th of April, it was an explosion. He has passed away. His name was John Murphy. He suffered severe and extensive blast and burn injuries. He's been in hospital since he had been transferred to Dublin and he passed away in hospital in Dublin last night uh, with family members at his bedside. 41 years of age, a family man by the name of John Murphy. That puts an awful lot of things into perspective, doesn't it? Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. What country do Rolex watches come from? Is she on 9 out of 10 yet? 9 out of 10 right now. Oh my God. Oh no. I'm wrong, aren't I? I'm wrong in thinking that we had that conversation about Rolex. They have their headquarters in Geneva in Switzerland. Yeah. Oh. But they were founded in the UK. You've just won two thousand I can't believe it. Congratulations, you aced it. 10 out of 10. A couple of guesses along the way, but you are the latest winner of €2,000 and we are absolutely buzzing for you. Well done. Thank you so much. Thank you. Stacking up the cash. 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 The two grand minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day on Casey and Ross in the morning. Cork's 96 FM. There's some protests planned in Cork today and tomorrow. One of them it's quite an extensive one involving the 56, the families of 56 residents of Beaumont Residential Care. Uh, they're protesting today outside Michal Martin's office, outside Michael McGrath's office and outside the Minister for Enterprise, Simon Coveney's office. This is after the operators of the Home Care Choice broke away from the Fair Deal scheme because of the the costs involved in keeping care to the older residents. I spoke back in May to John Murphy, uh, whose dad is Patrick Murphy, who's aged 99, 
and is a resident in Beaumont Residential Care. The uncertainty is still there, John, and you have been outside Simon Coveney's office this morning, and I think Minister Coveney came out and spoke to you. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Uh, he's talking to us now at the moment. In fairness to him, he's the first politician that I've seen to actually come out and try and explain it. Um, he's making out that uh, care choice or you're not playing ball, um, which we had a meeting in care choice last night. They are playing ball. Like the, the, the fact of the matter is there's so many care homes, 20, I think, in the last 16 months, closing down due to lack of fair deal funding. Um, there's a massive funding gap between the HSE-funded homes of €730 Euros per person per week. And all we're looking for is equity and fairness. And 730 per person per week. That's seven hundred and thirty. Yeah, and that includes a cost of living increase of one hundred and eighty-three euros uh, per person per week in the HSE care homes. Care Choice got offered sixteen. Now the line that Simon Coveney is taking here at the moment is that it's a Care Choice problem that you know they're owned by a foreign company. It, this is all rubbish. Yeah, Care Choice are decent people. They meet us all the time, and they are trying to they lost six million last year yeah so there is a problem 20 people 20 care homes have closed down already but these guys are trying to make out that this is a care choice problem and it's not it's a it's a, a countrywide problem with fair deal funding not being fit for purpose at all it's it never doesn't strike me as being any way equitable that you could have two Facilities, you could have Bowman Residential Care getting X from the Fair Deal Scheme and the yes. publicly owned one across the road getting Y and Y is many yeah. multiples of X. It doesn't make sense to me. I'm not wondering how it makes sense to the Minister. No, it doesn't make sense to any of us, and you see, but what they're doing is saying or oh, encouraging, like the party line is to encourage us to get care choice to talk to the NTPF. But like we met with the uh, Care Choice Chief Executive um, Stuart Murphy yesterday, last night, and the man was nearly in tears. He said, like the NT, he had to beg the NTPF. Yeah, that's they, the National Treatment Purchase Fund. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're they're having to beg the NTPF to come back and talk to them again. So like we don't think the NTPF is fit for purpose. That's what we're trying to say to Simon here this morning. Um, and at least we got his ear, but. You know, these guys either don't see logic. Well, here's the thing. If it is a thing that this has to be sorted out between Care Choice and the National Treatment Purchase Fund, then that is as it is, if if that is how. But the National Treatment, Treatment Purchase Fund wasn't made up by some foreign entity. It was, ma- it was devised yes. as a government scheme. It is ridiculous. I, I know that some of your group is very upset with Mary Butler, the Minister for Older People, because she has yes. she she's had nothing to do with this. No. Like she's completely like she's the Minister for Elderly People, she's the Minister for Mental Health, and she's failing on both accounts. We're all having mental health issues here by all the stress we're being put under and our our and our parents and families in Beaumont. And these fifty six people are the first to be victims of the NTPF. You know, they need to give us more money and it needs to be like we're dealing with nameless, faceless, heartless people. Like who are this NTPF? Nobody knows who they are. 
and mm. when we go to government well, and ask well, it's them, our they money. Go, oh, Who, whoever they are, yeah, we're looking they're for spending money, my like, money and yours and Fergal's and yes. Emer's and everybody here, and I'm looking at it as a person whose tax books are going into the National Treatment Fund Purchase Fund, and I'm saying yeah. sort it out. They're, they're spending yes. my money and your money. And you see, the, the problem is nobody is willing to intervene. I've written to the Minister for Finance. I've written to Simon Coveney. I've written to uh, Michal Martin. And all you get is promises that they look into it and yeah. that Mary Butler is working on it. But to be honest with you, as you earlier, I said earlier, we have no faith in Mary Butler to fix anything or the NTPF. And it brings back the question, issue. doesn't it, John? It brings us back to the situation where you ask, as a question of beating my head off yes. the walls of this studio, asking, who's running the damn country? Like, yes. who's in charge? Is the NTPF, who's in charge of the NTPF? See, they, they seem to be a, a body that nobody can talk to. Rubbish. the government. Absolute I rubbish. Think you know that. Kind of quangle maybe is the right term that's set up. So that they, they can say whatever they want. We don't know who they are. So, like, we're trying to, trying to fix this issue. But we don't know who these people are. But hang on a while. They're spending. Representatives are they're, failing us. They're spending our money. Our yes. elected representatives are elected and very heavily remunerated for it to tell them how to spend our money. Yeah, and the worrying thing now is with the news breaking that they're thinking of uh, maybe when care homes close down after cooling off period that they're going to use them to house migrants. But if that's going to happen, like, where is everybody going to go ridiculous. in the future, elderly people, you know? How, how's, your, how's your dad, Johnny? Are you able to keep this he's, stuff he's from him? He's doing good. He's doing very good, you know. He just still doesn't really know what's going on. I know. And we're not telling him because, but, the, like, the clock is ticking here and, like, we need action. So I'd, I'd appeal to Michal Martin, Simon Coveney, who's here today, and also um, the Minister for Finance, who, who did communicate with me, to please intervene in this well, before these 56 people are only the start. Care Choice have 500 people in Cork alone that will be affected if this continues. It baffles me that an agency like NTPF, which is charged with spending taxpayers' money on this thing, yes, the taxpayer, the minister responsible for the taxpayers' money, is Michael McGrath. Yes. The, the very, and they're totally, yeah. And the, the, the very, see, they're accountable to us, but yeah. the NTPF are not. This is, uh, um, it's bonkers. That's the, the loop that we're stuck in here, you know? It's completely, it's completely um, bonkers. John, I wish, I wish your family and particularly your dad uh, the best as this goes forward. We'll catch up again. There is just nothing. And I suppose I'm supposed to be neutral here and try and see the other side. If someone can please show me the other side, I'd be happy to at least see it because I can't. Again, I cannot understand how Mary Butler... Now, look, Mary Butler failed Onakura. Mary Butler did nothing for Onakura, so I wouldn't be too surprised that they're doing nothing for, for these people. But like, who's in charge of the blasted country? The National Treatment Purchase Fund is a national... It's a, it's a national scheme. It wasn't set up by the man from Del Monte. It's crazy. Utterly crazy. There's another protest. Katie O'Keefe, uh, the, the Raise the Roof reporter Katie O'Keefe from 96FM News is there. When is it on, Katie? It's on at Connolly Hall. When? Morning. Morning, PJ. So it gets underway tomorrow at 12.30 at Connolly Hall. That's when everyone will gather. And it's leaving at 1pm then to the sound of the High Hopes Choir, which is made up of homeless people in Cork. 
And then thousands, they're expecting thousands tomorrow to, to march for their call for secure, affordable homes for all. The launch is today and the event itself is tomorrow. I know, Katie, you've been joined by Adrian Kane from SIP2. I have. I'll put you on to him now, PJ. Thank you. Thank you. Morning, PJ. Adrian, good morning to you. Uh, big, big protest planned for tomorrow. I don't need to ask what the, mean, what the issues are here, do I? Well, we've put a lot of work into this, and I'd have to say we've had huge support throughout Cork um, from all across the trade union movement, all across the community sector, everybody that's dealing with, with, with the issues around homelessness. Um, and also we've had huge support from opposition political parties as well. And we're optimistic, hopefully... Um, the rain gods or the sun gods uh, perhaps will be on our side. Uh, see, there is some rain due tomorrow, but it looks as though we, we, we should be all right between uh, the hours when, when we're having the protest and having the rally. Um, as um, Katie has said, we're assembling here at 12.30 outside Conley Hall, hoping to, to lead off then around 1 o'clock and then down uh, to, to Grand Parade where there will be some speeches and some music as well. There's an issue that bugs people, Adrian, and one has to be very careful with the language one uses when you talk about it. But we see that there's another announcement this morning of money being spent on modular homes to house people from Ukraine. Now, we completely welcome those people. They're coming from a war. We welcome them and we will do what we can for them. But... It seems to many observers, myself included, that nothing like the same level of muscle is going into solving the core homelessness problem. Would you agree with me? Well, I'd put it a different way, PJ. And I think we have to be really sensitive in the times that we live in and trying to meet with competing needs, okay? But I'd make this point in terms of where we find ourselves with regard to the homeless crisis or, or, or the housing catastrophe, is that if you're born and were born after the 1960s in, in this country, that's when home ownership starts to decline. And it, it, had, it had increased in every decade from the foundation of the state, then it levels off and then it starts to fall down. And the reason why that happens is that you do have this transformation between housing and the state leading um, and leading policy in relation to it, to the transformation of housing into a commodity. And the point I would make is that it, it, it's, this isn't today or yesterday that we've had this issue. Mm. And it's not the fault of some poor woman trying to escape the the the. the, the Putin's imperial war no. in Ukraine. And it's not the fault of somebody trying to escape Assad's war in, in Syria no. or somebody trying to escape w- w- what the Taliban are doing to women in, in Afghanistan. No. Okay, But if you're on a housing list and you have no chance of getting a house and you see somebody else being housed, I can understand h- how the focus of blame turns in that direction. Well, Adrian, okay? you see, there's no one talking about blame here but I think the issue that's on a many many people's minds and would they would agree with every word you've just said but they would ask the question where's the 
urgency. Where's the, where's the late night incorporeal cabinet meeting to sort out problems for people on the housing list here? Yeah, and, and you're dead right. And there is not that sense of urgency. And that's why we're asking people to turn up in their thousands tomorrow. And one thing that we're doing tomorrow, we're going to have a facility for people to get on the register of electors. Okay? That's what we're going to, to do. So we need people to turn out. Because if you look at the last two actions that this government has taken, lifting the eviction ban and waiving development fees, it's the same old, same old. Okay, and it's not talking about a, a state-led um, policy in terms of trying to resolve this. It's back to the market. It's back to looking after developers, etc. And that's why people need to turn out in their thousands tomorrow, okay. and they need to hear the the, 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 the the government needs to hear and to see people standing up and standing up because this is a, an issue that affects everyone, okay. from young people never being able to leave their their family home to people on the housing list, to people in emergency accommodation. Okay. It's the whole community, and it behoves us all to turn that sort of angle into resolving this problem, okay. because surely we're rich enough as a country to do that. Okay. Adrian, thank you. Adrian Kane from SIP2. That meeting tomorrow at 12.30 at Conley Hall. Starts at 12.30 at Conley Hall tomorrow and there'll be a march and music and speeches and whether anybody will listen anywhere we'll only time will tell it's a week to father's day and don't be caught out this now diageo are the latest to come across this heineken it happened to heineken a few months back and last year as well there are no fridges full of guinness getting give out by diageo none of them it's a scam. It's running on all the online platforms and you click 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 and eventually they're going to want a card number off you or a Revolut account off you. So don't. Okay? There are no, Diageo have said, there are no cases of Guinness. Fridges full of cans of Guinness being given out for Father's Day. None of them. Right? Same happened last year with, with Heineken and there was none of them either. It's a scam. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I mentioned Harry Styles. If if you are leaving to go to Harry Styles today or tomorrow from Cork, listen up. Get your feather boa now. There isn't a feather boa to be had in Dublin. They have bought every last feather boa inside the pail. Is gone for tomorrow for Harry. At Slane. And I sincerely hope, Crossy, that they don't leave as big a mess at Slane with the remains of uh, sh- uh, shredded feather boas as they did in Scotland. It was awful to look at. <laughs> it is, it is. Look, um, this, I, this concert tomorrow is probably going to be one of the safest, happy, cheerful concerts. And oh, yeah. I know there's going to be a load of bins there. So if you're on your way home tomorrow... Uh, from the gig, just stick it in the bin. If you don't want to bring it home with you, stick it in the bin and make because it's such a beautiful area. I'm actually from that area itself, okay. And it is a beautiful part of the world. Slane is so so. Because Scotland looked like an explosion in in an aviary afterwards, like it did. Yeah, um, I was I was in Slane Castle on Wednesday. We did a little tour. You can check it out on your Instagram page. Uh, just have a look around, see what things were like and all that. And just some mad stats from the guards. 
and from the event organisers, 90% of the people who bought tickets and that are going this week are female. And of that 90%, the majority of the 90% are between the ages of 18 and 28. Mm. Isn't that a wild statistic? And there's you there's only going to be 10% months. of men. I, I was down the back looking at one of the lads from MCT going, ah, oh, Jesus, I thought there'd be more lads than that. But yeah, 90% of women will be at that. They're not worried about it. They're, they're, they're trying to tell people. So if you're, if you're heading from Cork today or tomorrow, don't be bringing high heels. Don't be bringing shoes that you can't walk in. You're going into a field. Is, You're going into a flipping field. A field and hills. Slain is built on a hill. And that's all it is. Slain is just hills. That's all it is. When you get into it, when you're going up it, there's four different routes. Um, and you just find out what route you're going in. Uh, the guards did say that. Just say, Harry Styles, for talk's sakes, finishes at half ten. You probably, whatever mode of transport you're in, those wheels on that vehicle probably won't move for two hours after the gig oh, is finished. Right. So it'll take you an hour to get to your car, just say, and probably an hour, just depending on traffic. You could be lucky, but everybody is leaving at the exact same time. So I think they're just trying to warn people of that, just in case, because, you know, there's going to be a lot of little people at it. There's going to be a lot of calming areas. There's going to be loads of water areas as well, because these people, they were saying that the mad thing about the Harry Styles gigs and the Nile Horns and the One Directions before that, these people don't drink. They're not going to be smoking. It's not that sort of gig. It's mm. going to be a happy dancing around. I know when Harry played the Aviva, they also said that, that, you know, takings for alcohol wasn't as big as, you know, if you put someone else in there because they're all there to have fun. Mm. They're a little community, well, a big community of 80,000 people. So they're just there for the fun rather than, you know, if you um, two played Slain or whoever, people will be going for the gargle as well as the dance and all that yeah. sort of stuff. The Harry Styles gigs are completely different, yeah. which I found was really interesting. You've actually. seen him before, haven't you? My, my, my daughter's going to see him now for the third time. Like, he is a great showman. Love or hate him, he's a super showman. Oh, he is so cool. Uh, I went to him in the Aviva last year and I, I we bought tickets for it and I was going to give them to my sister. I was like, sure, look, I have an extra ticket. I'll go myself. And I just was walking, just looking around at everybody and everybody's just nodding their heads and bopping. Yeah. You know, there was no, there was no, I, I don't mean trouble as an anyone round, but there was no, you know, aggro or anyone overly inebriated or nothing like that. It was just, and I, I, I stood beside a girl who'd come up from Cavan who bought a ticket, no one would go with her. And she ended up Someone becoming friends with Someone from actually Peter. spent money on a ticket? <laughs> I, I made that joke as well, Torrential. It, it didn't go down too <laughs> well. So I really believe with that. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Come here, the guy, his fashion, like he's a fashion icon. Does he does he bring the clutch handbag on stage with him? Like, well, that's it. You know, his. I've been watching some of his um, some of his uh, shows, past shows. He played Amsterdam the other day, and look, fair play to him having the body to be able to fit into some of those clothes. Now, I think right. I'd look like your man from Little Britain. Is it David Thomas if I wore any of those clothes with the belly out? <laughs> <laughs> that, that won't be happening with me because my friends there's about 14 of us heading down we got a, we got a bus heading down and uh, my friends are like are we going to get those feather boas and I was like what are you talking about wearing a pair of jeans and a shirt 
and they were like, "Oh no, you have to dress up." I'm like, "Lads, come on!" I see. I can't we imagine. I cannot imagine you in a, in a, in a feather boa. <laughs> I can't. I can imagine you doing many things, but not wearing a feather boa. <laughs> now, you know what he'll do now? He'll take a picture of himself in a boa just to spite me and send it to me. Oh Listen. God, I'll tag you in over the weekend. <laughs> Enjoy the gig, my man. Enjoy the gig. Have a great weekend. It's a long time since I was in Slane. I I saw Freddie Mercury in Slane. I'm sure me age so much. But if you're going to Harry Styles tomorrow, enjoy. A couple more things on the nostalgia we had in our first hour of sweets and ice cream. Pub crisps. Oh, pub crisps. Perry crisps. Yeah. Penny caramels. Fizzle sticks. Licorice pipes with the red bit at the end. And candy apples. Oh, we were here all, we'd be here all day if we kept going back over them. It is Teddy's funeral tomorrow and just one verse of this. Finn, who is a huge sports fan, wrote a little poem uh, in memory of Teddy and I just have time to read the last verse, Finn, if you don't mind. So it's, it's really nice and just as we remember and prepare to remember and see off the great uh, Teddy Mac tomorrow. You will remain in our hearts to the very end. We loved you as a player a legend and a friend. So go on away now and hurl in the sky. Teddy Mac, one hell of a guy. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.